The Tumbling Saber podcast is powered by our powerful friends. Become a powerful friend for just a couple dollars per month and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, random prize draws, contests, newsletters, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. everybody it's time for episode 130 of the tumbling saber podcast my name's kyle i'm Corey. i'm michelle and i'm carlos Woo! welcome back everybody yeah. back for another crazy Woo-hoo. podcast i'm excited man i've had a good weekend how about you guys lovely weekend for the for the first time in a long time just i, I got a major sunburn hit the <laughs> boat i was on the boat it's it beautiful it was a beautiful weekend here I'm, I'm that's that's part of the reason why I'm in a good mood. It, it was conducive to getting stuff done around the house. And uh, yeah, I got to see Solo for a third time, maybe the last time. I saw Solo too. Fist bump. Fist bump. Yeah, because I saw that tweet about um, how it might be the last weekend we can see it on the big screen. I was like, oh, I need to see it again. Seriously? Big screen. Yeah, like I think John Kasdan like wrote it. I think it's oh. a little bit of a dramatic like point because i don't think they would take it off all of the screens but it might be challenging to like find them soon i don't know we'll see what happens on friday next friday because well, isn't yeah. um incredibles is next week and jurassic incredibles park. and jurassic park yeah, yeah. So, so it's gonna it's gonna lose i mean this weekend gonna, it lost like 45 go. north american screens is what i read mm-hmm, to oceans eight yeah which is which is nothing that's yeah. really nothing. But next week and the week after, it's going to lose a huge, huge majority of its of its uh, screen. So, if you've pl- if, you, if you wanted to see it, you need to make time asap to go check it out again. But the, I guess there's a, the good news is that it actually had a half decent weekend. Maybe a couple mm. weeks too late, uh, but it's it's crossed the three hundred million dollar barrier. Woo! Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, my theater good, was that, that. pretty packed. Like it was ten. For like a 1045 showing and it was pretty packed like there wasn't that many open seats when we went to go grab our ticket and it was like a really late night like it was a the dine-in so it was more expensive for a ticket than another place so i was pretty surprised i like that though that kind of yeah. makes me a bit happy they, they crossed the 300 marker it's very meager very meek but uh i don't know it makes it makes me feel a bit better well like it got past a benchmark which is which is yeah. nice. It, I guess now, I mean, depending on if how many screens it does hang on to, if word of mouth starts taking hold now, maybe there's an outside chance it can at least make its money back. That would be nice to do. Well, they're close now. They got to be close now. I mean, they they've recouped their production costs, I would think, but marketing now, uh, even break a break even scenario is just not something you want to be doing in this biz. <laughs> Typically, no. But, um, you know, I had a great experience, mostly great. My son was a little, a little terror at the theater. But, um, yeah, we, I took the whole family and uh, the kids. You know, I was more watching them than I think I was the movie. Just cause I wanted to gauge their reactions. And they had most, mostly, for the most part, they had the reactions you'd expect. Like, both were kind of jittery about the beast, right? Like, mm. 
Well, and then when they see Chewie's face, kind of you know the close up on Chewie's face, they're like oh, Chewie, like they were they were super happy. But they, I don't know they they quite understood why Han and Chewie were fighting. Uh, my son was ecstatic to see the Falcon. He was he just almost blew a gasket when he first saw the Falcon. Um, my daughter, oh my daughter, she was sitting on my left, and during the Enfys nest scene at the end, where you know she calls out Beckett. Like I, she was kind of cuddled in against me because it's cold in the theater and I had my arm around her and she was all tensed up and she walked, uh, Enfys Ness walks up and she's about to take off her helmet and my daughter was about to cover her eyes and I kind of like held her hand down because I wanted her to see. And so the helmet comes off and she like, she sees it, that it's a girl under the mask and she immediately went slack. It was like the, it was such a cool reaction to see in your little girl. That yeah. she just completely was disarmed and relaxed about the whole thing. Yeah, she was probably expecting some kind of like mutilated figure or something. And then you see this this young girl. And that was a really great thing you did for her, though, because that moment for a girl, like even as a woman like myself at 32, like I saw that and it was a very powerful image for me. So being able to see that as a child would have just been like so important and so impactful so the fact that you were there to like make sure that she saw that moment it's just yeah that's really amazing like i'm just getting really teared up right now <laughs> oh, like i'm like you're such a good dad um yeah that was a really really cool yeah because that's just iconic like uh, this i saw it again and i was with a friend and it was just yeah i was like freaking out i had my arms in the air i was so stoked she's so yeah, it was that was a really cool moment, and yeah, all all the all those those big moments, like you. Know, but you know what? They didn't really seem phased over Maul. They're just like, oh, it's Darth Maul, <laughs> as if they're just. I guess you know because we watch Clone Wars, we've seen Rebels. Maul has kind of always been there, and so he, when he showed up, they're just like, oh yeah, there's Darth Maul. <laughs> oh okay, well, it, like this makes perfect sense, especially <laughs> in the timeline. You dad says the four year old. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny because he had to go. He had to go pee right at like two minutes before that moment. So my wife grabbed him and literally picked him up and dashed out of the theater and then raced <laughs> back in so she could see, so he could see that moment. Um, yeah, really, really cool. But my we walked out and my daughter looks at me and goes, "Is Kira bad?" And I didn't really have an answer for her. I was just like, "I don't know. I don't think so. I think she's trying to save Han. I think." And my wife agrees, but. Yeah, we're just we're just not sure about that. So it's it's nice to see my daughter's investment in those female characters. Like yeah. that's what this is all about, you know. You want to hear something weird? Just like side tangent, really quickly. One thing about the movie that I I don't know if they were trying to allude to something. I don't know if you guys noticed this. You've seen it more than me at this point. But uh, when she's on Jordan Voss's ship, like they they keep kind of like zooming in on these diamonds or these mm -hmm. jewels, right? Yeah. And I almost think that's like a signification that. Look, she can just grab these and run with Han if she wanted. Oh, like, yeah. She can escape this, whatever she's entangled herself within. Like, this could be her ticket out if she truly wanted it. So, oh, I don't know. They, I think do, they, do, they do talk about it. Like, uh, yesterday, um, there was, like, this whole thing, like, at the end, after... Uh, like after like at the very end of the confrontation like they talk about the jewels and she looks at them and she's like well you can use those to get out like they do she does t like refer to them as part of like the thing but then she i think she was just like oh well like let me get them all together but then she's like we're gonna 
take those and then we'll use them to pay things like buy for buy for all the buy the ship and all the things we need to and get away well, but it's, it's I, funny, yeah. like, I listened to the empire uh, empire magazine podcast this week and shout out to nathan in the group for for uh bringing that to our attention and they had an interview with ron howard and i i don't want to quote anybody i you know in, in case I'm, I'm incorrect but the impression i got was that kira was kind of lying to han about using those diamonds and all those jewels like mm-hmm. she knows that you cannot get away from from crimson dawn and darth maul he will find you if you if you run you will be found and you will be killed so i, I think she just you. knows that and yeah so she oh yeah she but she han definitely what... told him she would use them but yes. she had no intention of doing that but no. they were alluded to like oh like if we did take these, we could totally do it. But then she had no intention of actually doing it. Yeah, she knew all along that she was going to split. Like she was going to take off on Han, leave him with Chewie, and uh, she would spare him a, a life of, of running from Crimson Dawn or being in Crimson Dawn. But yeah, I had a, I had a fantastic time at the theaters, at the theater with my family. And uh, that might be it for me. That I don't know if I'll, I'll be able to squeeze in a fourth viewing. Which is kind of sad. So it's probably a couple months until I get to see Solo again. We'll see. Maybe I'll talk to the wifey and, uh, you know, <clears throat> I I still owe you money for our t- for my tickets. So maybe I'll just say, let's go one last time. One last time. On me, bro. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Quickly, any collecting updates before we move into the show? I... Nothing you'd be interested in. <laughs> well, probably. if it's not from a galaxy far, far away, you would be correct. I have one small, tiny thing, literally. Uh, mar, mar, mar. I stopped at Toys R Us and picked up Black Series Porg figures. <gasps> That's kind of cool. What? What's the price point on those? Uh, they were. I th- it's funny because I, I picked up the box. I didn't even look at the price. I figured they were probably 10 12 bucks. I think it was nine ninety seven. But the cashier, uh, she, she was just like, I don't know what, what she, this, I guess this is part of why I had such a nice weekend. She reaches into the cash, pulls out a $5 coupon, scans it, and I paid six bucks for these two Black Series Porg. <gasps> oh, that's yeah. so nice of her. And I, but I'm, I'm not kidding. We, I got into the car and my kids took the Porg and I don't have them anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we have those. I was like, well, they're kind of for my collection. Yeah, but you have the two that came, come with the, uh, the Chewy figure. <laughs> like, yeah but they're not the same here's Definitely one not. you each get one well that's it they, one they, each, they each have one now there's so you two still have, you still have one right no no i bought one package which which comes with two porgs oh and so, yeah they're both gone so i that's sort of a a, a negative collecting update i had <laughs> and now i don't I have one thing. I got this candle from this company called Canterbury Road Co. And it's called Rebel Scum. And it's so cool. And it smells of um, the scents are called Space, Salt, and Hope. I have no idea what it's going to smell like. I'm like, I was just like, what? Space, Salt, and Hope? But I am super into the label. It's so cool. It has like this like um, old school, like white vintage type papery feel and then there's like a red rebel sigil on it so cool i can't that wait it's pretty it. cool <laughs> the label yeah. is how i buy my wine is that a cool label <laughs> i like the label good design work i and that's how i buy 
yeah, I was like, I love her candles. Like, I'm just going to freaking buy it. And it's a limited edition. Like, it was um, one that was commissioned. And she does this thing once a year where she pits the commissioned ones against each other, like the custom ones. And we all, like, vote on them. And then she brings them back for a month. So this candle is available just through June. And then she's going to bring it, like, back in. She's going to put it back into retirement until next year. So I was like, I need to get it while I can because I've been asking her about it. but. Yeah, so it's up on keep Etsy. It, keep me posted on the spacey scent. Yeah, oh, I will let you Michelle, know. Michelle, <laughs> don't. Don't encourage him. He's spacey enough as it is. <laughs> he does not need any more help in that department. Trust me. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's and the problem. Also, um, also, when I went to the movies uh, to see Solo, they are doing a um, raffle of either the... Uh, solo Monopoly game or uh, four of the um, Funko dolls. It was just Chewy with the glasses, the the pl- pl- flying glasses, Kira. Um, and I can't remember what the other two were. And then you got to pick like which one you wanted to go in the raffle for. And they're drawing on Thursday. So everyone, please keep your fingers crossed for me because I really want those Funko dolls because I don't have them. Will do, Michelle. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Engage. Yay. All right, well, um, a crazy week in Star Wars fandom, guys. It was sort of um, not the best week. We'll put it that way. Not the best week out there in the social media sphere. But I wonder if maybe we didn't hit a tipping point. Yes, yes. I almost tweeted something drunkenly last night, but I refrained. But it would have been heartfelt and beautiful. And I love the way everybody's kind of, you know, drawn the line in the sand now. Kind of, it's like enough is enough. Well, yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of where we're at. Like, I think chasing Kelly Marie Tran, the, the that ray of sunshine, chasing her off twi- off Twitter, off Instagram was sort of like for me, it's anyway, it's, it, it was the tipping point. It's like, leave her alone. Like, I don't know if you guys followed her on Instagram, but it was her feed was just pure joy. But I every, loved her Instagram. It was so fun. And it, it really so had cute. And it, it had nothing so to do with Star positive. Wars, right? Like it yeah, rarely nothing. had anything to do with Star Wars, but she posted frequently. But every time she posted, it just got her her comments were just filled with those the cretinous type of jerk that has just polluted our fandom in the last well, it's always been there, but it's gotten worse and worse. And other like Kathleen Kennedy had a bir- birthday uh this week and her mentions it was just the most vile environment you'd ever seen dave filoni had a birthday and that just turned into a landslide of uh please replace kathleen kennedy dave oh by the way happy birthday it was like just hundreds and hundreds and thousands of comments along those lines it was just fandom was a cesspool this week and i i think it's a good thing that people aren't ignoring this stuff anymore like it's all well and good to think that if you confront these people that you're just giving them the attention they crave and i think maybe that was true 20 years ago when moderators in forums and in like private sites could just ban people but twitter and facebook don't do anything so i in my opinion the time for passively waiting for this to blow over or taking the high ground or whatever you want to call it that time is over and i think i think that you're cory i think uh, hopefully that we're right that a tipping point's been reached but what, what did you guys read or how did you guys feel watching this go down this week? 
I've always been on that same page. I have to say that in the sense that, you know, I've always kind of minded my, my own business in that regard. I said, you know what? I've had many tweets like ready to go, man, uh, like finger on the trigger that I just kind of just erased, man. I said, it's just not worth it to get into it at this point. And even now I really haven't responded to any like of that toxicity because frankly my, my timeline is pretty clean of that but it's brought to my attention as well in my timeline through through other parties and it needs to be brought to my attention like we need to know about this 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 element of our fandom that's just uh, putrid man it's it's horrible like God, any, anyway like but yes i uh i think ryan johnson you know calling some of these douchebags out just really kind of emboldened our side of things. And in the same regard, you know, uh, I'm going to say it straight like this, like Trump and the solo's failure has also emboldened the, the other side of the argument too, you know, like they've just gotten more bold and more bold with, with what they want to do and their, their actions and their forums and their movements and their flooding databases and just get over it, man. I can hear Carlos rubbing his mic over there. He must, he, I think he's chomping at the bit to say something. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, um, the cesspool, man. It's hard to, it's hard to deal with. Like you get, you get flustered. You want to respond, but there's so like, there's like an avalanche of trolls, like just rolling, ready to jump in next. Once yeah. you, you choke slam one. Hey, Corey, you spoke for about uh, 27 minutes. Can I have a, can I have a second? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like they're, they're, they're coming over the wall, like uh, in uh, world war Z and uh, uh, you know, they're just uh, rabid and foaming at the mouth and it's like, it's not worth it. It's really not worth it. I like that. Ryan Johnson kind of said, you know, like, you know, people need to get a life type of thing. Uh, I'm just summarizing, but like, no, I, I think it's enough. And like forcing people off social media, maybe she was a bit too sensitive about it. Like, I'm not going to judge how somebody else was feeling, but like, <laughs> well, I mean, if, if yeah, you've I, seen her Instagram for months on end, yeah, uh, it and was every day, daily, daily, it was yeah, not just that though. It's like, if you look at as a, just as an Asian woman, like I know I'm only half Asian, but it just seeing some of the screen caps of the Wikipedia stuff that they did, it was just so offensive because it wasn't just, it was just so like racially and like, Oh, insensitive. And like, it was like race bashing, female bashing, like this, per she's a human freaking being like her character and like what happens with that is nothing to do with her as a person. And like to just attack someone for being a human being, it just, Oh my God. It was just so like, I literally was so like personally upset about just seeing those. I don't know. I've seen a lot of racist shit, but I'm sorry. I didn't mean to start. I've seen a lot of racist stuff, but that it boiled my blood. Like I was very very upset about it you know i can talk about my experience and being like you know i've been through things where people have said things to me that were really insensitive and offensive to me and then they kind of brush it off like oh i'm joking and i'm like no like you don't have to say things like that you can keep your mouth shut like it's about decency and like 
you don't have to say everything that pops into your head. You can shut up and not say those things. And it's just, it's, it's the people who like, don't, they've never, or I don't, I mean, even if they have experienced things that are similar in terms of like bullying or, um, you know, being called out for whatever it is that they have, I don't know, you know, being a cisgendered white male is super hard in America, apparently. Um, (laughs) it's just so ridiculous. Like, man where they're like you don't understand what it's like to be a white male in america these days like, <laughs> really really like like the most catered to well, group in the history of the world yeah so it's hard. like come on we've been america has been around for 2018 years in this current landscape like you know you have had it good for like the entirety of that if and maybe like okay the last 10 30 years are like offensive to you and like whatever but it's like chill dude like calm down that, well, that's the thing right like it's so just so easily threatened like nobody's asking you to go away people are just asking you to share that's all this yeah. is about yeah it's just, uh, it, anyway whatever i don't want to get into that the whole race yeah. thing because that just drives me absolutely crazy but moving forward how we react as a fandom is what needs to be kind of focused on like i don't want to be attacking other people as well you know like i don't want to fall down that dark path you know i don't want to stoop to their level like i want to do it with integrity and, and i think that's the question is how do, how do you go about doing that you know what i mean mute Without... lock report yeah but then again yes. like we're turning a blind eye we're turning a blind eye uh like, report is a good one because i actually did that to a few sites i report people so much you don't understand. Like I've reported a lot of people. I, my block list is very high. I, I mean, it's just like, I don't, I like, I engaging in Twitter is super fun and I love the opportunities you can have from it, especially as a writer. There's so many great ways to like get your stories sold or like seen by agents and all of these things. And I don't, I can't cut that off just in terms of my career, but you know, and I want to interact with people and have fun too. But also, like, I'm not, like, my life, I've been working really hard to lead, like, a very positive life without toxicity and toxic people. So, like, for me, it's really not hard to, like, go psh, mute, psh, report. Like, it's only five minutes to, like, look through and see, like, re- like pe- report people's tweets or, like, people as a people. Like, it's not hard. And then they get all, like, bum hurt. And, like, now people on Twitter are going to be like, oh, report Michelle, whatever. I don't care. To me, it's like... You put that negativity out, negativity out there, you're making your own bed. So, like, yeah, you got to live with the consequences of what you say. Like, that's that's something that people should be held accountable for more often on social media. Somehow, I know that's a big job, but somehow people need to get get gone. <laughs> as long as we, as long as a lot of like, as long as we as a whole are also like policing, you know, not policing, but are monitoring these things. And if we see something, we say something. Yeah, then, we got to call know, this stuff out now. Yeah. And and by all of us contributing together, that's how these places become more positive and less toxic. Sure, it won't be like overnight, but as long as we're all banding together and trying to do this, it's really not hard. And it's we're slowly building towards a better platform. You know, is there a better way to do it? Probably. But, you know, as, as, as one person, these are small things that and steps we can take. And it's really not taking a whole bunch of time out of your day to do that. Even if you just do one a day or just when you notice. Yeah, exactly. Like for me, it's more of, 
I see something, a retweet, and I kind of go down that rabbit hole, and I'm like, oh boy, like, oh, I'm getting red in the face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think the time, like personally, I'll, from my own standpoint, like I can't sit on the sidelines and pretend, like pretend that if I just scroll past it, that it's gone. Like that's that's not the case at all. Because if if ignoring it was the best way to deal with it, this would have gone away. It'd be this wouldn't be a problem. And in fact, like, I, I think it's pretty clear, like, it's gotten worse. But like you guys have said, like, you don't have to jump in with both feet and start throwing punches at these guys. I mean, you can if if you're in that kind of mood. But Michelle, report tweets. You could just report them. Block. That's all. That's exactly what I do, because that's your they're giving you that tool, that power. It is a social platform where we're all involved. And Twitter, I mean, they're not always great about it. And who sometimes it's really question mark about like certain people they allow to stay and certain people they block because sometimes those don't make sense. But, you know, it's just such a great tool because that's the way that you can, you know, let your voice be heard, even if you don't like engage with them because engaging with them is just going to make you feel like crap yeah and like another thing you can do is is retweet and share positive messages that 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 lift up marginalized targeted people you you can do that very easily without having to get nasty with anybody stubaka neil lowry yep that that's what they do man yeah. And Neil always does a huge like uh, post of a lot of positive accounts to highlight, you know, a lot of people that he enjoys interacting with and that he's seen it be very positive in the fandom. So I always take a look through those, not just retweet them, but I go and I make sure to make it a point to follow everyone and make sure that, you know, my my people are a lot of those positive people. And it's really great to just kind of start building out your world that word to have people like neil who are very considerate and conscious of these things i'm just so thankful yeah you got to curate the people that are on your timeline for sure and you know frankly i I think we owe our fandom that much to like take care of the this place that we occupy like these communities that we're a part of like as much as i like to say it that star wars that we don't owe star wars anything I think in this case, like the very least we can do for this franchise that has entertained us literally for our entire lives, like is to, is to report and help clean up this mess. You know, I agree. I, and I also think that social media, like this, these communities of us being able to speak to each other like this is such a privilege because we weren't able to do this before. Like my dad and back when the OT came out, like people are waiting and they didn't know, they didn't know each other. They didn't know that there's so many fans that were out there who want to talk about this stuff, who want to just, you know, live in star Wars world for a long time and just be able to chat about it. And that we're able to be connected to people outside the globe. Like I'm in Los Angeles. You guys are in Canada. Like the fact that we can connect and talk about these things, you know, constantly is really just such a huge privilege of, the modern age and we have to make sure that that stays in a relatively you know um positive way that we can still use it because like what if someone takes away from us well that's it right twitter can go away tomorrow and yeah that that would suck but you know i saw a lot of people that you know i consider to be good people people that i follow on twitter and a lot of them are saying fandom is just too toxic for me i'm out of here and they would you know either walk away or delete their account entirely I'm like, no, no, don't do that. Like, 
you you're you're not that's i mean, i get you're trying to we protect you. your uh your sanity your i don't know what you want to call it your your curate your own safe safe space so to speak but i i don't think running away from the problem helps it like you're just giving these trolls a bigger platform like you need to stick around and and help put out these flames i think you know for me at the end of the day like i just want to be able to say that taking some action was was it was me uh doing my part to being part of the solution like igno- again ignoring it is is no longer a viable option for me and i understand that some people just don't want the aggravation or the stress or the, they think by ignoring it they're taking the high road and if i if i were in a pricklier mood like i said i'm in a great mood but if i were in a worse mood i would make the case that letting this wash over you without trying to help people that are targeted uh makes you part of the problem and I don't really think that makes you a true Star Wars fan in the sense of like, if you think about the messages that they are teaching, you know, the people who watch the show, it's about, you know, standing up for injustice. So yeah, rem- remember the, the choose your own adventure on Sith Disturbers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I saw this really great tweet and I don't, somebody had tweeted it, but didn't give attribution and they, they forgot the person's name. So this is, way disconnected from the original source and I apologize, but I think it's fantastic. It's a six step thing. And I, I think of it as sort of a one, two, three, three, two, one type cadence. And this is how these toxic fans who just seem to hate everything about star Wars. Now, this is how they, how they've oh, been is it the image it. with the words. Um, maybe it was pre- like, for me, it was presented as text, but okay. maybe, maybe you'll recognize it. So step one, I love this Two, I own this three. I must control this. Four, I can't control this. Five, I hate this. Six, I must destroy this. And I feel like that is where so many fans are at. And it's all fans of the same kind of stripe. The people who don't want to share Star Wars with people who don't look like them. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what they want to do. Like something that they love so much that they can't control it. So they must destroy it. I don't think they mind sharing it. I think they, they don't want to share the screen time. It's like a toxic relationship, like from a lifetime. It's like, oh, I love, it's like fatal attractions. Like, I love you so much, but I can't have you, so I must murder you. Like, it's literally that. It's like Anakin and his love for Padme. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. It's like, I can't have you, then no one can have you, and you will die. Like, really? Like, come it's, on. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I don't People want to drone about this for People go to jail for doing things like that. <laughs> You're right. Um... <laughs> But yeah, Literally. I mean, I've been a part of online fandom for over 20 years. Like, the, I, you know, when I first got online in 95 or 96, I was on these the news groups, which had its share of trolls. And, and the party line then was don't feed the trolls. Okay. Uh, maybe somebody can... Like, don't feed the models. <laughs> and then um, I, I joined a forum, swfans.net, and I lived there for many, many years. I was a moderator on there. And it was a really clean place. And if you stepped out of line, you're gone. And it and that didn't happen very often. People were generally really well behaved. But then social media came and blew out all these types of forums, put everybody on the same playing field. And it doesn't it just feels like it can get really, really nasty really quickly. But if people work together and share positive messages and highlight people, uh, expose people that are being absolute ogres. Then you, I, I think you can. There's ways to sort of starve them of their oxygen, not by ignoring them, but by 
If enough people block them, they have no platform except for their own little echo chamber, and they go away. I think. I hope. Just lash on, like, create a hashtag. Like, well, force out so hate. Silly. Hashtag force out hate. There already is one. There you go. Yep, there is one. I, I just feel like responding to any one of those messages, just anything, like whatever they say, just flood their 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 thread with just your face. <laughs> your face. <laughs> just over anyway. and over again, your face. Anyway, I, I I think I would encourage anybody who cares about this fandom and um and and feel like Star Wars has given you joy, like help yeah. it out. Do it a solid. Help it out. And again, you, like I said, you don't have to f- get into fights with people, but just h- help out people who are being targeted. It's not that hard. Yeah, make sure that, you know, you like support them and help convince them not to leave and to make sure just like unfollow and block and mute people so that they can stay a beacon for the people who like them. And, and on Instagram, there is a way for you to turn off comments. I follow some actresses and actors who have turned their comments off for specific posts because they just were like, okay, like uh, this is they to have that account is part of their job to be able to promote like the the movies they're in, the things they're doing. That's part of their job. A lot of contracts now have social media requirements, and so you know, in order to accommodate those, sometimes they do have to stay on the net and you know be able to do things like that, and you know sometimes. And being able to kind of have that interaction with a celebrity like that, like to be able to see their private life is a privilege. Like they don't have to share that stuff with people. And, you know, it is their page. So it's pretty much their choice whether or not they do allow comments. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, because like we have this, we have access to these people, right? Finally, we have access to these people. Let's not screw it up. Let's not chase them all away, because what you know, this is the last thing I'll say on this and we'll move on to actual cool Star Wars stuff. Um like what can happen we see this in pro sports and i'll apologize to people if you don't follow pro sports but high profile free agents sometimes they avoid high pressure environments just because they don't want the scrutiny what happens if star wars becomes known as such a toxic place that great talent says i don't want any part of that mess exactly so let's not let's not have it come to that let's let's head it off now before we get to that nasty place where we need to settle for uh, lesser than talent so let's let's be better Star Wars fans. Okay. I think we can move on now. Set our peace on that. <laughs> yep. Be cool, people. Be cool, cats. Yep. All right. So, uh, Michelle, do you play video games at all? I do. I haven't recently, but I also like to watch people play them on YouTube because I'm one of those people. <laughs> hey, whatever works. <laughs> whatever works. Um, well, I mean, I kind of like watching people play them well. So. Well, there you go. Like, I, I, yeah, you could have watched all the cutscenes from from Battlefront Story Mode and not play the game. Like, you can you can that, watch that forty that, minute movie and and never play the game. That's cool. It looks like a movie too, by the way. It's incredible yeah. the image, the images that they do. They look like human. Nice. So, some quick video game news coming out. Uh, so there's gonna there's more Battlefront Two content coming, and I didn't pay attention to that because pr- chances are I'll probably never get to it, but. There's an, an expansion coming, which brings some prequel characters into the mix. And all I saw was was General Grievous. And if it means that I get a chance at killing Grievous, I'm okay with that. I will definitely spend an afternoon killing General Grievous. So that's that. I'll put that aside. But the cooler one for me is EA announcing Star Wars Fallen Jedi, 
which is a game set just after the events of Episode 3. And I just follows... want to correct you, Kyle. It's, uh, it's actually uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, you're right, Carlos. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and this is from uh, Respawn and EA, a brand new action-adventure game which tells an original Star Wars story around a surviving Padawan set shortly after the events of Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. The game will be releasing holiday 2019. I have another update on the time the set. It's also it's also not just set after Episode Three, but it's set between Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith and Episode Four: A New Hope. Oh. That time period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very specifically. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, it's okay, like during so... a period of time where the galaxy was plagued by darkness and Jedi were being hunted. Yeah. So That's just how many show. Padawans eluded Order 66? Right? Like Elaine and I spoke about this on, on last week's um, Journals of the Willing for the early release. Great show, by the way. Thank you very much. And welcome again to Elaine. Um, you'll hear her this week in the, the public Tumbling Saber feed. Woohoo, Elaine, I love you. <laughs> there you go. We're friends. <laughs> like, th- this is something that they, c- they can just keep doing whenever they need to. Oh, here's another Jedi. Here's another Padawan. Like, they can always say that there were so many Jedi that if a couple doesn't slip through the net, like Order 66 was still an overwhelmingly successful campaign, which is kind of true, but also a little bit tiring. Like, Carlos, do, are, are you down with this concept or are you getting fed up of straggling Jedi? slipping through the net no i love it man I, I love that whole like yeah we thought that it was just obi-wan and and, and yoda that uh, went into exile but galaxy's huge man yeah so, yeah, yeah there are about ten thousand of them exactly so and, and it also gives vader a lot to do between the end of revenge of the sith and you know the 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 completion of the Death Star, so it's 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 quite cool, and I mean we see a lot of it uh, in the Vader comic, right? So it, it's cool. I really enjoy it, and uh, if you can give me a story about a Jedi who eluded Order sixty six and entertain me, then why would I close the door on that? <laughs> like I want. I want to be entertained. <laughs> yeah, you know what, what, you know what's funny about that? They, they got this show, Carlos, called Rebels, uh, oh, where there's this, this this character called Kanan. Uh, anyway, like that, that that's well, kind of. I, I, I wonder if Kanan is. It could. It could be. Kanan could be the actual character in this show. We're in this mm, in this no. game. I doubt it, but he could be. In the I, game, I it, doubt it. it said that the players will assume the role of a surviving Padawan, meaning you get to wield a lightsaber. Kanan was a Padawan at the time of Order 66. Like, I I don't think that's the case, but I like what Carlos said. Like, the building of that, I think there's so many Jedi out there that, uh, yeah, it's cool to think that there's more, you know? Um, But the the title is what's really interesting to me. Like, we know through Rebels that Kanan, he lacks a bit of confidence in himself, especially in season one, in having to train Ezra, turning the, the page kind of on this dark chapter of his life after order 66, like he did some really questionable stuff, like stuff that, you know, he probably like torn, tore him inside. Like, can I even be a Jedi? You know, like, so when you see it from, from that 
angle, uh, the fallen order, especially like it, it kind of leads me to believe that this character will have some dark choices to deal with, you know, which, which I'm down with, man. Yeah. Michelle, how do you feel about this? Um, I'm excited. I think it would be really interesting. I hope I would be, I would be excited to see Kaden. Um, if we do, I mean, I kind of want to play it to be honest. (laughs) Um, sounds super cool i'm super stoked i agree with all the things you guys say i just yeah i think it would be really cool um and the world is so large so i mean i totally do agree like it could be a padawan we know or it just could be a new character um i would be intrigued not not a not a female though michelle it can't be no it can't be it can't be it can't be a female padawan let's just get that no it can't no i and i never said it would be (laughs) like what um oh wait no i'm i'm like literally over my head um yeah i mean i just any i like any opportunity in a timeline where i can see ashoka possibly potentially just even in name i'm good with so i i, I mean I, I like that time period i'm i'm excited to see like maybe what characters might be alluded to yeah. since Rogue One fits in in that time period. The connective tissue, right? Yeah, I just kind of I love everything that I love about Star Wars is that connective tissue through line where all these different stories from different platforms kind of mesh together so that we can kind of enjoy it in that way. And this game is speaking my interest and I want to play it a well, lot. Simplistically speaking, do you think this is I'm sure they're going to make it more elaborate and complicated than this. Like these games now have like crazy huge budgets with many, many writers. But do you think essentially it's your Padawan eluding Inquisitors and or Vader? Like I'm sure like that's extremely cool as a concept. But oh, yeah, because like I mean, you're being hunted. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that I don't think it will be just that. But I think um, I mean, they did say it was like a single single player game and then they want it, but they all want an open world game. Too. I don't know. I think like, I think that that's might be the potential like initial idea set off, but it will branch out from there as you keep playing the game. And I think there will be more to it than that. But I mean, things are so complex. Stories are so layered and Battlefront isn't super like simple in terms of just like the objective being like very like obviously just one pattern. So I mean, yeah, I, I feel like it would be more of like a cinematic experience in terms of the fact. I don't know. That's what I think. I, I'm kind of on the same page there in the sense that where the character could be provided like different options to do things mm-hmm. and you know, like a, almost like a choose your own adventure. Like they said, it's an action game, not a role playing game. Choose your own adventure was in my head when I was saying that. So yeah, nice. Yeah, and to like provide this this Padawan, like it's obviously going to be a dark time for them, for him, her, whatever it is, uh, going into hiding, like everything that's happened, it's totally traumatic. So like, again, the title to me infers something that's that's dark, like a fall from grace. So maybe we'll be you'll be this Padawan that slowly turns to the dark side depending on the choices you make or something you know yeah you might be you might be getting tempted as part of your journey of trying to elude these people and part of it might be that they're tempting you to bring you to the other side and you have to make decisions and choices that will 
determine like how what what part of you know the forest you're going to land on or if you're going to stay in a very murky area and i think yeah, that would be like you, you start considering killing like you know it's a way of life you know hey, i i gotta yeah. live you know do you kill someone to survive yourself or try to do it in a way where you don't have to hurt another person? And if you do, then what does that mean for you as a Jedi and a Padawan? Like, That's it. Just shoot him in the kneecap. It would be very interesting. Well, it's, interesting. Funny, Corey, it's funny you say shoot him in, in the kneecap. I was just about to say, like, that's, that's a very Grand Theft Auto approach <laughs> to, to a Star Wars game. Like, I, 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 I imagine that they're going to have sort of an endpoint, like any Padawan, unless, like, you guys brought up a good option that maybe that Padawan goes dark, but I, assuming he doesn't or she doesn't, if if the person just stays on the light side, at some point that character is doomed. Yeah, they, that's it. Like they'd have to, like Michelle said, maybe have we'll have some connective tissues to Rogue One or something like that, where you know, I mean, passing on vital information at some point, uh, something yeah, that so we that, know that's, is crucial. That's what I hoped isn't the point of the game where you're a padawan that has i don't know let's let's for example say you have some jedi holocron and you need to hand it off to whatever whatever group i, I hope it's not that where your character is gonna die like you know this character that you're playing with is going to die by the end of the game and you just have to hand off this piece whatever it is i hope they do something more inventive than that I hope that it's, I mean, I hope that that's just, I hope that it's kind of like what Corey said, and it's more of like a choose your own adventure so that the dying, it could be an option if that's what you choose in your path, but it could end up as like one of all of these different types of things. Um, I'm kind of thinking of this one game um, called Life is Strange, which was this uh, like episodic French game. And it was like you could make decisions and choices and then you could rewind and but your character could remember. And at the very end, there was this choice and stuff. But I think that would be really interesting that it's just kind of like, it was like a choose your own adventure type thing. Um, but it did have this through line and it ended up with one of two choices at the end. So, I mean, there's a million ways to play it, but then, you know, it could be one of these choices. I don't, I hope it's more than two, but I don't know. Those things are expensive. So how about this? Um you know, we've heard, we thought, we, Kyle originally said the fallen Jedi, right? So we're focusing, and, and the storyline does say that you're focusing on this one Padawan, whatever. But when the title is called Fallen Order, maybe he goes in search of uh, a rumored fallen order, you know, to, to kind of find his brethren, find if you will, people. kind of. Yeah, his people, like, and he finds these this fallen order kind of somewhere. Maybe that's his goal. And then, you know, that can play out. It could leave options for future stories, kind of like these people are in the in the uh, unknown regions or something, you know, training. There is this this Jedi Academy, if you will. Yeah, no, that's a cool idea. I'm I'm down with it. I, I I'm excited. I'm I'm really excited to get into any new games that expand the storyline. But uh, let's leave that there for now, and we'll pick it up again in the future when they give us some actual news on it. But uh, I, I want to get I want to touch back on this. It's um. Something we could have done last week, but uh, we didn't. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, given Solo's box office, uh, let, let's just call it what it is. It's a bit of a disappointment, even though it's it's maybe starting to even out a little bit. Let's let's just kick it around because I think you can make a case for anything on either end of the extreme or in the middle. But what should Lucasfilm do in the future now? Because I, I you know I don't think what solo did at the box office is going to alter Lucasfilm's future plans to a huge degree, but this might be a good 
a reflection point for them to take a step back and look at what they've got planned and how they do things and to see if there's something in the marketplace that they've misread. So I'm going to throw some ideas out there at you guys and uh, you give me your feedback on, on, on my crazy ideas. And the first one for me that comes to mind is that they need to get their their house in order, which I think is where maybe the only valid criticism of Kathleen Kennedy comes into play. Like she gets a lot of flack, and I think it's all garbage, except for this. So Rogue One and Solo both had trouble productions, as did Boba Fett with Josh Trank. People are being brought in left, right, and center. Outside help galore. The Force Awakens had its share of issues. Like Michael Arndt was replaced. Acrimony with Lucas. It all just speaks to a disconnect happening at the outset of these projects, and I think that needs to get rectified going forward with every project at the start. And I know that all, not all of this news makes it to the ear of the typical moviegoer, but it's a bad look and makes it easy for people to get un, makes it easy for people to get uh, uncomfortable and for word to spread. Like it gets the pump primed for people to complain. So I'll, I'll ask you guys. Like I know we should only be concerned with the final product, but what do you think about this as a first step? Just get it right, Carlos. Do they, is this a good first step? Just make sure you get the right person from the start. Sure, but I, 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 having watched Rogue One, having watched the movies, uh, when they stepped in, I, it was probably the right decision. So it's hard to say, yeah, okay, find the right people from the start, but you don't know until you're, you're, you're looking at the dailies and you're like, this is not what we envisioned. It needs to be better. And the fact that they have the courage, and, and prepare themselves to take the flack for adjusting as they go is better than putting out a subpar movie. So I, I agree with you in one sense that like, yeah, okay, you know, it would be nice to, to start a production A to Z finish, not have to replace anyone, not have to have uh, 80% of the movie reshot, uh, you know, uh, ballooning the budget, but in the end i think when you if you look at solo they got they got it right when you look at rogue one and they had uh quite a few reshoots and gareth edwards uh stayed on chose to stay on and and and, and make their vision uh come true and you look at the result of the movie and it was fantastic so there's a lot of give and take when it comes to yeah i get it right from the beginning but I also applaud them for, you know, taking the steps, making the hard choices to actually get the movie right. Yeah. And I think it's more important than A to Z. You know, that's just my. I think as fans, it's sort of like the end justifies the means. Right? Like, I don't care. Fire who you need to do what you need to do. Just give me a good movie at the end. That's yes. that's our way to look at it. And I think that's it's perfectly fair there. I don't there's no right or wrong answers here. I'm just we're just speculating. But sure. it you also do kind of set yourself up for criticism when you do these kind of things. Yeah, but imagine if the movie sucked. What about that criticism? Ooh. Yeah, you're right. It's it everything is sort of a double edged sword. Well, we're 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 in the midst of that right now. The disaster at the box office for Solo and the production, you know, it, it's it's at that point. But to me personally, I'm, I'm kind of going to say that, no, they do need to get it right at this point. They're, they're honing in the dial there. You, you got to nail it. 
the first time around. You can't be doubling budgets just just like that. Like I, I granted, like you said, Carlo, I do applaud them for for making you know having that gut feeling and saying no, this is what needs to be done now to to make to salvage what we have left. But from moving forward now, I think one of the things they'll, they'll bring under the micro, uh, microscope is uh, they'll just have to keep a closer eye on things in a way and uh, put some kind of measures in place. Like, don't ask me what, but th- there has to be some kind of protocols in place now where uh, things need to go according to the production schedule. Well, that, kind that's of, dangerous, you know? right? Because then that that's... You, you start getting close to, well, Disney tampers. Disney interferes with the creatives. They can't do their job if they're, if they're being held back by protocols and constant oversight, right? Like that's... Well, you, you just got to make sure that that's uh, on the board from the beginning, that it's not something that's, that's coming in mid-production kind of, you know, like this is like, I don't know what they had, the conversations they had with Lord, Lord and Miller, you know, they say, yeah, yeah, you guys got a clean slate, do what you want, film whatever you want. It's going to be great. Or is it like, no, this is the film we're hiring you to make, make us this film. Like don't go, you know, uh, trying to tweak it and make it your own thing. And honestly, I think that it should be kind of an in between of that where, it's not like, oh, make whatever movie you want, because that's just too broad. And I think them being like, make this movie is not also conducive because you might think at the outset that this is the movie that you want and this is the movie that should be made. But as you're making it, you'll realize that sometimes, you know, concepts aren't always the best in practice. And once they start shooting it, they might notice that it's like, OK, well, this isn't really exactly what we want but it works and these changes are for the better which is why you know these a lot of these industry people who are doing this they've been doing it for a while like they have experience they know what it's like so i mean i personally think maybe they should do this thing where they do like okay well show us like may do a version of this for like a small version let show me what your version of this film would be like and do like a little pitch kind of like kind of how they do like pilot season and TV where they do like, they shoot like kind of a short, like concept, like a concept short film type where they can pitch that to Disney and be like, okay, this is my vision. This is how I shoot it. This is the style I would shoot it. Like, this is how I kind of want to take it. But like in like a five to 10 minute thing, of course, is that like super extra? Is that extra money? Sure. But it's probably less money than the amount of money they're throwing back out to like reshoot 80% of the movie. Also, I think they should step in a little bit sooner than after 80% of the movie is shot. (laughs) I think maybe, you know, once you're starting to see those dailies after like the first couple weeks, the first, you know, maybe not even 15, 20% of the film, like they should be like, okay, something's wrong. We need to pull it in and rein it in. Because from what I've heard from friends of mine or friends of friends that I, that I know who have worked on, who have been called into movies like Rogue One, who had to help fix a lot of the issues, you know, and being able and hearing that through the grapevine and then being like, oh, yeah, also this movie they have no plan for this movie. They have no. It's just like hearing that is really disheartening. And then that keeps getting passed on and passed on and passed on. And a lot of people are just like, eh, like they don't have they don't know what they're doing. Confidence, right? Exactly. So I think in two or in order to inspire confidence, having like a 10, 15 minute short of like a concept short of what they want to like do for it i think to tease 
would be interesting. And I think that way they could kind of get a feel for like, okay, well, because they're having problems with vision of, you know, certain directors and bringing other people in. So if at the offset, they were being proactive as a as as opposed to being reactive and being like, okay, we like these few people. Let's have them like do tiny little versions of what they would bring to the movie or how they would do it. And then we'll see it and then we'll judge it and then pick one. I think that's really smart to do. And I think it's being proactive. And then that way, you know, there's a possibility to not like have to lose as much money or throw more money in. But I do bah. think that it is great. But, you know, as, as Carlos just... said, sorry, as Carlos said, like to be able to make those decisions when they do realize something's not working and to be like, okay, you're fired. We're going to bring someone else in, I think is also smart. And it's one thing that actually Disney can do because they can afford it. And not all films can. I was just going to say like from, from now on, just have Ron Howard make the movies. That's it. Just stop. <laughs> Just stop with all the all the little storyboards and the little short shorts. No, nah, Just make Ron, Ron Howard, Howard do it. That's it. It's over. Ron Howard. <laughs> I, I agree with what you said there as well, Michelle, in the sense that, you know, uh, you got to give these creatives, like you said, Kyle, some kind of liberty of their own. But it's also, like you said, it's got to be in check. It's got to be reined in. It's like, this is the film we're making. Okay. You have an idea for something else? Let's not spend all day on that other idea. Let's give it a shot. But, you know, that that's the impression I'm getting from Lord and Miller here is that they kind of took a lot of liberties, which, I mean. Yeah. Well, when I listened to the Empire Magazine podcast, Ron Howard sh- kind of shot that down. He said there's a misconception out there that people or people believe that Lord and Miller were ad-libbing everything. He said that's, that's not the case. Anyway, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. Continue. Well, yeah, that's about, it's pretty much about it, man. Like, they just gotta, everyone's gotta be on the same page. That's pretty much what it boils down to. Like, yeah, they've gotta figure that out. They've gotta figure that part out. But, um, all right, so let's, let's check out part two here. So, marketing the movies properly. We know that Solo took a backseat to The Last Jedi for so long as it, you know, it did its theatrical run. And then the Blu ray came out and they did a big thing about that whole press tour. And I think in retrospect, it maybe that was a bit silly, considering you doubled the budget for for shooting the movie. Maybe you needed to get word out for the movie sooner, considering how much you've sunk into it. And, and yeah, and be it, a little bit more aggressive about getting that money back. Yeah, double up the camera. You got, yeah, so what? You're gonna have two movies out there marketed at once. Too bad. Go for it. It's just they have the money. They've got the money. There's. The, the movies are distinct enough that I don't think that you there's a huge danger in confusing people. And I don't think kicking off your campaign with Denny's is the way to do things. And I, I definitely, definitely don't not. think in this climate that uh, on, like focusing a lot of your marketing on Instagram and Facebook posts were these trolls that we talked about off the top of the show. Like that's not the best way to promote this film because there's too many people who are eager to bring you down. So don't do that. And just put it in places where a lot of people will see it. will see this fun vibe that you're doing. Um, so I don't know. Where do you guys stand on that? Carlos marketing the movie. Do they need to just double it up if they have to, and just promote the hell out of these things? No, I think like you were saying that whole Denny's campaign was, it was cool to get the cars and give them away on the set disturbers. And uh, thanks, Jeff. yeah, thank you, Jeff. And congrats, Eric, uh, for getting them right. Yep. Yeah. Was it Eric? Eric won them. Yeah. That's right. I saw him today, actually. Yeah. 
I saw him yesterday. Really nice I saw him at uh, at the theater. I know we spoke about it. Yeah, well, there you go. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but th- there's there's better ways to spend your money. Uh, do you have to spend more? Maybe, maybe you do have to spend more, but there has to be better ways to spend it as well. And um, like I, I saw recently, a couple of buses, uh, city buses. I don't usually notice them, but there was uh, an actual poster of uh, of Solo on the side of the bus. But that should have been a month before the movie came out. So mm-hmm. there, you know, at least. So there's there's a lot of things that went wrong. Uh, the whole poster fiasco with the Sony Music um, uh, Sony Music thing. Uh, when was this? Like in February, I believe, or January. I don't remember exactly. It was still cold still for us, so yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, like at that time, and I, I mean, I really love the posters, but they might have like got cold feet a little bit. Well, it just seemed like, uh, it just about... seemed like this movie was one bad thing after another, right? It was mm-hmm. first of all, it was the movie we don't need. The movie nobody asked for. Then the, the firings, then the posters, and it was just the like, aftermath of the Last Jedi. Yeah, just it's it maybe and maybe this is all a one off. Maybe just the way the dominoes were set up here just doomed this movie from the start. And there's nothing to see here. Maybe there's nothing that maybe at the end of it, they can read the tea leaves over at Lucasfilm and Disney and go, it's all these factors that. You know, some of it are self-inflicted wounds. Some of it are people bringing us down. Some of it is just market forces at play. And this movie really didn't have a chance. And uh, we'll we'll adjust. But I like it, what you guys about the marketing thing. Like, I think a big part of that again, we had mentioned this last week, but the production issues left them with, I guess, not much footage or film to to create that hype. And that was a big thing in this for sure. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if that. it was. I don't know well, if it was but, the overlap of but the with last trailers. Jedi. A lot of the time they don't, the, a lot of the time on trailers or like uh, first looks, like they don't always, those use shots the that footage, they use, yeah. they don't end up in the movie itself. It's just to kind of whet your appetite and tease people. And well, if, Marvel does that really of, well. Well, Marvel does it well too, because they show parts of stuff and then it never ends up in the actual thing, but they just kind of want you to get excited for it. Yeah, but uh, they scrapped all of Lord and Miller's stuff. You know, that's what I'm kind of saying is that if they're kind of just working with what Ron Howard was and he was just kind of yeah, but professional it editors, on... guys, professional editors can take the scraps and put it together on the floor and put it together to make something that's well, what if they don't want to use Lord and Miller's footage? Yeah, but that's what I'm kind of saying. still owns it and they paid for it. So, I mean, if if they're but this could have just been but this is not just like they had Lord and Miller's film for a really long time. They I personally think they should have released a little bit more teaser footage at the beginning, like before any of this drama happened, where they were just like, it doesn't even have to be like connective like scenes. It could just be like a cool like trailer with music and like shots of like black like black like no, black screen. I, I agree with you there. Of, a there sizzle reel. Where was our sizzle reel? Exactly. It should be something a year ago. Like you're right. Like That's what I'm saying, it should have no, been. They should, they should have tagged it. Marvel definitely does it a year before. Oh, guys, 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 <laughs> settle down here. The, the the honestly, they should have released something with the Last Jedi. Yes, that that's Great. that's that's what they should have done, and they didn't do it, and they waited for the Super Bowl, and, uh, and even for, earlier than that, like a teaser or something before the Last Jedi. Okay. Like get the full trailer with the Last Jedi and like a yeah. teaser, like a year before, man. Well, see, the way these movies are done now, like, 
they sh- the only way you can make these deadlines, like the only way Ron Howard could do this in less than a year is they shoot, that footage goes to post right away. Yep. And so by oh, yeah. after, after three months, you have enough footage to cut a trailer together. They could, there was, a, there was a rumor that they had a trailer ready in November of 2017. Like, why did you sit on that? You should have used that with The Last Jedi. And I think, I think that's probably, um, uh, you know, Small factor, an small op- variable. Well, an opportunity missed to to get things going. Uh, but I, I understand they wanted to put you know, put the focus on the movie that is actually coming out. I I understand, but I think in retro and it's really easy to talk about this in retrospect, especially when you have absolutely no experience <laughs> with this yeah. as a pro. But uh, this is what we do as podcasters. Uh, and then lastly, and, my- and I guarantee they 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 took notes and. They're obviously going to adjust. Like this, they're not flying by the seat of their pants. Maybe this caught them off guard a little bit, but, but they will not very, make the same mistakes. It was a very backseat marketing approach, though. This time, not even just with the film itself, but also with like um, the pre-sale on Mar- May the fourth. Like they didn't really tell us, like, "Hey, like get your tickets for Solo on May the fourth." Star Wars Day, like they just dropped it. Yeah, at yeah, that was lame. And I, I was just like, that, that, that was such a missed opportunity. Like they should have hyped it. They should yep. have been like, hey, it's May the fourth. This is your day to get it on this day. Big and time. also, by the way, if you buy your ticket on May the fourth, you could be entered into a raffle where you could win, like you know, for example, like Black Series Porgs or like whatever. Like they could have made it incentivized. Millennium Falcon. You know, they could have done something or like, you know, a miss a small any like a small piece of the set like that could be anything. It could be like freaking sand like it just it just something to make people excited. But like a lot of the stuff that happened, like they didn't really hype it, which is so bizarre, especially in this day and age where there's so many choices and there's so many things to do. Like a lot of my friends, when I was talking to them and I was like, Oh, what are you? They were like, what are you doing this week? I was like, Oh, I'm going to go see solo on Thursday. And they're like, wait, that's out this week. Like they didn't even know that it was out. And it was, they were like, they forgot because they just didn't realize that these tickets were available or that this, that, and the other. And definitely it was a factor. That's for sure. All right, so this is this is not so much. Um, anyway, I'm going to throw this out there. So revisiting expectations, and I think that Lucasfilm and Disney they need to accept that things have changed, and they're, they're part of this, right? Like Marvel, they also own Marvel, and Marvel has has become another 800 uh, pound gorilla in this conversation. Like Star Wars is not the only game in town anymore, especially if they're going to drop their movies in crowded slots with Deadpool, with Infinity War, uh, you know, right before Incredibles 2 and Jurassic World. Like there were a lot of event films and a lot of blockbusters and Star Wars helped prop up this whole industry of blockbusters. So I think, you know, and gone are the days where years would pass between Star Wars film and, you know, you'd, you'd get that fan excitement built up. The appetite would just build over years. But now, you know, there's, if you just taking the baseline assumptions here there's upwards of eight star wars movies on the slate like they're not gonna they're, i don't think they're doing one release per year like they're not asking guys to make them to start work on a movie that's going to come out eight eight from years from now like i think they're really looking at two movies per year no doubt about it so for me the biggest question that comes out of this whole thing is like what becomes of kenobi of the rumored boba fett movie standalones as a whole you know like 
Rogue, like Boba Fett didn't get off the ground. Rogue One had problems, as did Solo. And financially, it's had problems. Like, if, when you look at it, the standalones have been markedly less lucrative than episodic films. And I wonder if that factors into this. Like, do they concede the point that maybe Star Wars is more profitable as an episodic franchise? And people respond, do people respond better to those long form stories than these gap fillers? Like that might be the biggest change that comes from this. Like maybe they scrap standalones altogether. I doubt it. I doubt it too. Like it's a possibility. Like the, I think they're going to follow through with their plans they have for character driven stories. And again, it's, it's, it's basically, it's too early to tell. You can't make all these offhanded decisions so rashly. Like it's one film. This that is what we arrived. do, Corey. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's just that my opinion is they're gonna they're gonna go forward with the plan that they had uh, with caution. I don't think they're gonna really so much change things, but once they they have to dial it in more. Okay, you can't just say mm-hmm. Han Solo flopped, so we're not gonna do character driven stories. But if they do three or four of them and they all don't do that well, then yeah, let let's kind of move on. But the stories are strong, so I think it would be one thing if the movies were taking and they weren't doing like the stories themselves were just kind of like also like but the stories are strong so i don't know i think that it's they're trying to make it work and you know they've they've convinced us before in terms of disney i think like they've i've not about maybe it's too early to say about star wars period but i think you know a lot of things that i like i know people had sometimes people had to convince me that it was something interesting and something that I would want. Um, Because a lot of the times you don't really know what you want all the time. So, I mean, I like to have my mind So I like to come open, come forth with an open mind. And personally, like they won me over with these standalones. Like I love them. So I think, you know, you have to give it time. People are, people are afraid of things that they're not, accustomed to or things they don't understand so we've had you know these episodes non the episodic star wars hasn't it's only been you know since rogue one and the ones before we've had we've had experience where experience we've had star wars saga in our life for so long now that you know you just need to give people some time to adapt and adjust and i think you know of course it's a it's a there's going to be growing pains but you know, there are a lot of us who do enjoy the standalones who are being convinced. And I think, you know, a lot of people were convinced with Rogue One and then more people are understanding like, oh, I do like these one of stories. And also, you know, they're interesting and they're strong and they track well. And the story is really strong. I, that's all I'm going to say. Strong. Well, it's, it's, it's what it really is boiled down to at this. What we're kind of saying is how do we get uh, the general audience to consume to a year in a way like we know star wars wants to grow and evolve so how how is it that they know people like us are going to go and consume if they even have three four movies a year we're going to go out there and get it but a big issue for me i think this is a huge factor here is the fact that you know the last jedi came out of theaters not two three months ago and now we have solo the lack of marketing like just the fact that it didn't have its time to breathe and set up I yeah, but neither part, do Marvel films. They yeah, come out. They're totally so different constantly. things to me. Totally different things. Like each yeah, character but if you in Marvel. Think about, sure, but if you think about it from a marketing perspective, 
the timeline is shorter but like it, the timeline is very short for Marvel films, but the reason why a, a lot of reason why they work is because they do have these ways of like doing a backdoor intro into getting you excited for the next film by by say it an end credit scene or the way that they market into and and the way that they target their marketing on different platforms. I think right now with Solo, they kind of missed the mark in terms of what companies to partner with. For example, Denny's. It. I don't <laughs> think that that's a huge yep. like poor Denny's uh, property. Not saying that Denny's is bad or good. It's just in this current time in uh, in society, Denny's is not the first thing I would associate. <laughs> Star Wars or Disney, I would think that they would go for something bigger in terms of like McDonald's or, you know, Pepsi, Cola, like something that's very, very iconic, large, even Kleenex, like that as something everyone use every day, something that is part of society and a threat. It's just something that we, it needs to be in your face more. Star Wars it's, lettuce. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. That that's whatever. a thing. That is a thing. <laughs> I, I own some. Oh my gosh! But it's that's it. It's kind of like that, Michelle. Like, like to me personally, like I think Marvel and Star Wars are very two different things, and you can't really compare them because they're apples and oranges. But Star Wars is going to try and get there in a way, and how they dial into the way Marvel's done it is a whole different story. And they're going to have to play it by ear. Marvel Marvel is also a niche. It's Marvel is also a niche property. It's comic books. The fact that society as a whole is really into them now is because of the way that they built it up from Iron Man beginning. Like when that started, not everyone was super into it. Like I wasn't into the first few movies of like Iron Man, all, all those movies. And then I got into it like after Avengers and like Captain America. And then I went back and watched all of them. And now like I watch them a lot. That's but like, like comics. You have all these it. characters, you know, like Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk. They can each have their own film. So, yes, they can stand alone. When Star Wars, they have to build from scratch kind of. Yeah, I mean, that's, Star Wars, it, like, Marvel has like there's more colors to Marvel, I think, in that. There's more flavors to, to to test from with all these different characters. Exactly. But it's also pulling largely from source materials. So you, in a way, you know where a lot of this is going. Exactly. And I think people are just super eager to see this play out on screen because you already know that you're going to be satisfied in a way. But okay. so I, I, the last point I'll make on this before we take our break here is that we, I think in a way we've got to cut Lucasfilm and Disney a bit of a break because the four movies that we've got in this era, to a large degree, in, in fact, I think all of them, were in some form of production before The Force Awakens even came out. So they were, for a long period, they were flying blind. That they didn't know how people would react. They didn't see down the line what reactions would be. I know, I know Solo was re, was redone as, as as recent as last year, but a, you know a lot of it existed. Like Lucas was working on this when he sold it to Disney, so I I think as we move forward, they're going to refine refine this whole thing, and they will have a firmer grip on the wheel as to where this thing is going to go. But for I think this batch of movies, and it might even spill into Episode Nine. Like these five movies are going to come out of this chaotic period of Disney. And it, we'll probably look back on it and go, man, it's crazy that they even got these things done the way they did. And I think at, over time, it'll smooth out. Hopefully. I agree. All right. Well, guys, we are right on schedule here. I think we can uh, take a little break here. 
and we'll come back and we've got some awesome questions this week from the powerful friends in the binary sunset. So uh, what do you say? We go grab a quick break and we'll come right back. Oh, yeah. Okay, lads and ladettes. Um, I've been out for a run and as always been thinking, listening to podcasts, etc, etc. Lots of chat at the moment about what order for the 10 current Star Wars films. I think we've all had a go um, at our favourite 10. Um, but how about a top 10 of what should have been the best Star Wars uh, film based on the story so I'll explain kind of what I mean Revenge of the Sith in my view should have been a far better film because of the story that it was telling um, so what would your top 10 be if it was based on the actual content of the film and it was just done differently perhaps over to you have a great show I look forward to listening take care bye all right Ads coming in strong this week. Boy, is this ever a tough question. Thanks for that, ads. <laughs> so here we are, guys, separating the uh, the what is from the woulda, coulda, shoulda. So we don't have time to do, uh, I guess, each of our top tens, but I'm sure we each have something or some things we feel really strongly about. So Carlos, before your phone dies, I'll let, I'll let you go and hammer away here at a couple of your options. Okay, well... Uh... Phantom Menace obviously could have been a lot better. Uh, I think George uh, completely dropped the ball, like, directorially. But th- there was so much potential for that story to be way bigger than what it was. Like, just bringing us into the, the galaxy as we have never seen it before, before the Empire, before the Dark Times. And, like, I think it could have been I don't want to, I mean, Jake Lloyd did what he was told to do. So you can't really blame uh, the child actor in that situation. But the the scope of that, uh, there could have been more mall. There could have been more um, back backdoor, you know, uh, scheming. Uh, you know, there, there, there's so much that they could have done with the Phantom Menace to make it, to make it better. Because the story in itself is great. It's, 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 and that's why, I mean, some people love it. Uh, they, they have it high on their list just because of the, the, the scope and, you know, what potentially, you know, makes the story, um, better. Like it, it, it brings us, it, it, this, the beginning of that story brings us back to a new hope, right? So there, there's so much that they could have done with that. Um, my second one that I could say, and I'm only going to do two. Um, obviously it's easy to say Attack of the Clones because there was a lot of things that were done wrong in that movie um, mainly 3PO just <laughs> just there's there's no reason for him to be there anywhere oh my I lost my head yeah I wish anyways <laughs> um, yeah so I'm going to skip Attack of the Clones because it's, it's kind of like low hanging fruit and we're going to go back uh, to Revenge of the Sith. Now, Revenge of the Sith, for me, is already very high on my list. And it could, could have still been a little bit better. Like, some of the, way, some of the ways that they tied the loose ends um, to try to, you know, uh, 
wedge is not the word, but like, you know, just tie up any loose knots. There was an awful lot that George stuffed into that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it could, it could have been better. I mean, the, the, the epic lightsaber battle between Obi-Wan and, and Anakin, oh. in my mind, was a little too long. <laughs> I agree. Like, I think, it, I think it, it went could... on a little bit too long. Yeah. And, you know, the whole, uh, you know, I have the high ground. It's like, okay, wow, okay, that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> it's it's so funny now, though. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, where, it's, hey, where would we be if we meme. didn't have that meme? I know. We'd be lost. Yeah. We would be absolutely lost as a culture if we did not have these Obi-Wan memes. <laughs> Think yeah, of it. That, that gave us Agreed. the hello there meme and gif. <laughs> yeah. And it gave us the high ground. Like, I think Revenge of the Sith is an all-timer just for that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. I would have liked, uh, honestly, what, what could have made Revenge of the Sith better uh, was uh, completely forgetting the whole no. Uh, <laughs> no! Like, oh, <laughs> terrible. And what I would have loved to have seen in that place, um, in, in place of that no, was an actual struggle between Vader and Palpatine, where Palpatine force lightnings him uh, to put him back in his place like i think that could have made the relationship the understanding uh of of their well uh, let me just stop you there then and direct you to darth vader volume two issue one that exact scenario plays out and that's why it would have been better on the screen (laughs) that's that's what Obviously, people wanted to see that, right? So th- th- it could have been, it could have been even better. It would have been higher on my list for sure, uh, with the uh, the whole no being taken out, and three PO saying stuff like, oh, "I feel so helpless." And <laughs> you are he, oh, de- definitely. Oh man, do I hate that guy? Anyways, the well, emperor's well, all like, "You need that breathing box, don't you, boy?" Yeah. We'll, we'll get to 3PO later with a, in another question. But uh, so I'll pass the baton. Go ahead, guys. Michelle? Um, yeah, I think I just, not to be a like copier, but I kind of agree. Um, yeah, I mean, the first three are, I love the story. The stories, I just, I'm a sucker for a good or like a backstory, especially for a character like Vader. And, um, I really just love that story and Padme and I, I wish, yeah, that would be my, my, yeah. A lot of those decisions, a lot of the comic stuff that could have been kind of weaved into it um, to make it richer. I thought there were certain stuff where I just felt certain things like the lightsaber battle was definitely a little bit long, even though, I mean, they're so cool and uh, we don't have enough of them now. Um, but yeah, I think I would rather have had a little bit more of a story beat, um, in a a few of the other scenes that were a little longer as opposed, or as opposed to just the really, really, really long lightsaber battles. But yeah, I agree with the first, with Carlos, totally. I'm I'm afraid to ask Corey, because I I feel like he might just take everything out from under us, but Corey, go ahead. (laughs) Well, I'll just say this straight off the bat: like the the OT is completely safe here. Um, won't agree with, uh, won't disagree with Carlos in the sense of the Phantom Menace. I think George Lucas just took too much upon himself, put too much on his shoulders. He should have reached out for a little help from a storytelling point of view. I agree. Uh, 
the film itself is revolutionary. Like he did, you know, he, that, that film is awesome. I, I do love it. Looking back on it, I, I was kind of really disappointed when it came out and I was 18 years old, so much potential. It could have been done a little differently. Uh, same thing with attack of the clones. Uh, now we're getting to kind of what ads had said in the sense that Anakin was starting to turn to the dark side. Okay. Granted we get the, the Tuscan Raider massacre thing, which was kind of cool. But just that film needed help in so many aspects and could have been so much more poignant mm-hmm. uh, for his turn. And again, the same thing with Revenge of the Sith. Uh, his turn, it just so much was crammed into that film that possibly could have been shared with Attack of the Clones, maybe. And yeah, just his turn could have just uh, could have been a little more meaningful. Not, I won't say meaningful because it Less is hard. whiny. How about less wine? Something like that's that's a good way to put it. And I guess last oh another reason for uh, Attack of the Clones, you know, it was the follow up movie to the Phantom Menace. So in our minds at the time, having experienced this, you know, live, it was like that this could be the Empire, the Empire of this saga or this trilogy, you know, and it was kind of a major letdown. TLJ was a work of art and did not let me down in that regard compared to Empire. Uh, but let's, I don't, I don't want to throw any of these movies under the bus per se, but I'll, I'll mm-hmm. put The Force Awakens out there as well, just because it was very, a little plain. It could have been a little deeper. They they could have been a little more risque. Uh, regardless, it was just such a fun ride and really did Star Killer base. Star Killer base was Star stupid. Killer base. <laughs> the, the, the destroying of the, of the Republic, like all those six planets in one shot. Like, well, that I didn't mind so stupid. much, but call it, it the Death Star stupid. Three. I hated the Death Star Star Three too. I also I have one thing to to say as well. I was really disappointed by the Han Solo death. I wanted a hero's death for Han Solo. I thought that death didn't serve the character correctly. And I think that was a hero's death. Really, I just I was I guess, but I just it was just so anticlimactic to me. Come on, the and touch on the face. Hashtag no. not my Star Wars. Mm-mm. I just, <laughs> it, it's just, I, I just, I thought just for his character, it was just like, that's how he goes though. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I just wasn't moment, into man. it. I wasn't into I mean, it. I, I respect that he put himself out there in an attempt to save his son. Like that to me, that that's, that's a dad like owning up, putting on his big boy pants and getting out there. I just wonder if Han should have, it it burns me up a little bit that Han was in that place to begin with. Like, I want to know why there's such a disconnect between Han exactly. And ben. Like, I felt like it would have been better if that relationship was explored a little bit further in terms of. I I just felt like it it could have been more. It could have been more. Like there could have been more weight to it. Um, and I, I just felt like it wasn't. There. It the lead up wasn't full enough like I didn't that's why I think it was so disappointing to me if there's a little bit more of just that emotional exploration of like you know that or where was he like what do I why like you've seen him for the first time forever and then boom done like it just that's how I felt it was anticlimactic there was so much potential for that moment and um and I'm 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 not opposed to Han dying I I was okay with that I thought it was I like when characters you know important characters leave just because of that emotional feeling that you that it, it elicits in a film 
towards the audience. And, but I just, I wanted that moment to be a little bit more eviscerating for me. Is that really, really sick? Yeah. It's, I it's, well, it's almost be, like they well, relied. It's almost as yeah. if they just relied on the fact that we're killing on solo, that that would be enough. Exactly. And, and I, it's I, not, it's not enough. I think well, in, in the it moment, it, I think it was to, to see Han Solo finally get it. Like at, at, in the moment, it's it's it hurt. But looking back, it's like, well, now I want to know. Like, was was Han really a bad father, or was Kylo just, you know, a snotty little That's kid? What that I want to know. I th- I think it's a little of both, but more on the Kylo side. Like I think what we've heard so far from like literature, anyhow, is that he was pretty unruly. It's hard one to thing, know. One thing that I know that I've heard from friends a lot um, when they saw the films who don't read the the books and everything, which, I mean, I, I think a lot of people probably who do go see these movies probably don't. Um, they were like, how, how does Han and Leia produce a son like that who's just so obsessed with his grandfather but like his grandfather did turn at the end and that was just a huge thing where they're just like i don't understand how like that happened and that was just a very big running thing for a lot of people that i knew that they said that and i felt like they they felt that they would have liked it to be a little bit more established in that film before you know he got killed off Mm -hmm. fair um yeah i mean I think the big ones have been covered. Um, Attack of the Clones, I think, could have been so much better. There was just so much that didn't land for me that should have hit really hard. Like, one of those things... Like I, I think the Sifo-Dyas plotline was terrible. The fact oh. that they had to turn to, to uh, the Clone Wars animated series to flesh that out. It was Even just at that, so it's like... bad. It's just... It, it left me scratching my head going, what, what was that about? Like, it was just yeah. so poorly there was written. great potential right yes you find it was such great potential for that and and they completely flubbed it yeah it's it annoying was... that it's, it's the fact that they green lit it like like when you're just like yeah i found this clone army of sifo diaz man 10 years ago like yeah you're just like hmm scratching his chin legit well yeah and it's, let's do this <laughs> it's like uh, palpatine says oh i'm gonna authorize the creation of an army here's the army like wait a minute that means you've what wait a minute yeah you're like I smell something. Uh, yeah, that 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 didn't work. And then Padme suddenly being in love with Anakin, like there was no indication to me at any point in the movie that she was actually falling for him. I never got the sense that she was falling in love with him until she says, "I truly, deeply love you." I'm like, what? You do? Like, obviously, we know he's all about you, but I, I you're a politician. You can put on a brave face or or a front. But I felt like that moment where she just declares her love for him was like, we knew it was coming, but it just, it felt awkward. It, I felt like we, there could have been more signs that maybe she was starting to, to fall in love with him. But anyway, I hate, I, hate I don't know. I saw it as when I saw that movie, I was like, I think I was in high school and as a high school girl, I felt like I saw that. I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know. I felt like uh, there's just, I don't know. I thought, I thought that she liked him. I thought there were signs, but that was just me and my 17 year old teen girl brain. Well, so that's, that's, that's a, no, I mean, that's why I'm glad you're here because otherwise it would have been <laughs> us three bros going, oh, it was dumb, but there's, yeah, I think there's like a kind of, there's a little nuance to like how girls like 
like you and control how they feel. And like, especially when you're in a position where you're not supposed to show those things. Um, but I felt like they were there, like the little things. Cause I just felt like it was very accurate to just kind of how I would react to someone I kind of liked that I wasn't really allowed to really like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I thought they were there as a teen girl. Okay. Fair. That's fair enough. Uh, my, my hot take is that return of the Jedi for me could have been better. Oh yeah. Big time. It just, it took too long to get to the really good stuff. The heavy stuff that we were really waiting for, like what, 45 minutes on Tatooine. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yes, I know. I love the movie. It's a part of my childhood. I will love it forever. But it just, it it just took too long. On and I, I don't, I don't know that it needed to. I don't know that it needs to spend that much time on Tatooine and like hearing John Williams synthesizer. That's not what I'm here for. Let's come on. Let's get the big orchestral stuff. Let's let's get to the big weighty action. It, it that that first half of the movie just took too long and then the briefing room scenes on home one it just it just took too long and i mean yeah, the last half door. hour 40 like, minutes great amazing but th- th- to get there was sort of an, uh, an ex- it's an exercise for me now so i feel like that could have been better and the force awakens is my other choice that you know it's structurally so close to a new hope that Again, I, like I think I said this last week that if if in the future it comes down to me wanting to watch one of those two movies, it's gonna always be a new hope. So that's that's uh, that's our take there. Ads. Love you. Awesome ads. question again. It is Very a good well. question. Well, one yeah. day maybe we'll get around. I mean, maybe we can do that in the Facebook group if you want to order mm, them great. one through ten. Great idea. Let's do it there because yeah, we we could be here till two a.m. and I I don't want to do that. <laughs> Neither do it's I. funny when you look like I'll just say straight up off the bat, like almost in a way, uh, if you kind of erase the precedent of which has been set and what you know about Star Wars and you look at it from, okay, we have nine films and this is how they go back and forth in time, which would be the most important ones. I think Empire would surely be probably toward the bottom of the list. Well, I have a question similar to this that we can we're going to kick around in a few weeks from now. It's it's a really doozy of a question. I can I can't wait to get to it cuz it's going to be full of hot takes. Tease. It well it's it's designed to be full of hot takes and everyone's going to pull their hair out and go nuts, but uh I can't wait to get to it. All right, ads. Thanks, man. I saw, I saw your pictures with the, of your boys that are watching all those Star Wars movies on on the weekend. Parenting done right, my friend. Yes, sir. All right, Carlos, where's your how many how what what percent are you at? Uh, I'm at 12. Okay. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to chug along here. Let's check in with Bradley. Hello, Tumbling Saber. Bradley here with this week's Star Wars question. So I wanted to talk about uh, Star Wars stories, these uh, spinoff movies. And do you think they should stick to um, basically being um, just one-offs in a sense with no sequels attached to the spinoff movies? Um, kind of leave the sequels to the saga movies and uh, obviously Ryan Johnson's uh, spinoff where supposedly there's going to be a trilogy there. Um, but like these Star Wars stories that uh, we've gotten with Rogue One and with Solo, do you think they should stick to keeping those um, 
you know, just kind of one story, kind of like, you know, just a moment in time. And why I'm asking that question is is because of um, this, this last movie, Solo, um, and how I've heard a few people say they would like, uh, you know, Solo to actually have a sequel or even be a trilogy. You know, personally, I would like to see a sequel. I think there's enough there. Uh, especially with what went down at the end of the movie, to uh, you know, actually have some good stories, um, you know, with uh, you know Kira and Darth Maul, and you know, possibly Jabba the Hutt because uh, you know Han's about to go meet up with him. Uh, would y'all like to see a sequel to Solo? Or are you kind of happy with just the kind of the one and done with these Star Wars stories? And, yep, that was good. Liked it. Let's move on to the next, um, you know, thought, next uh, movie. So, yeah, that's my question this week. May the Force be with you guys. Bye. All right, Bradley, thanks, man. Great, great question. We kind of touched on this before, guys, but uh, Michelle, I'll start with you this time. Do you think standalones should be one and done or should i mean should for example solo should that be a trilogy what do you think um i think that i mean it depends on the story for me if it's a story that i'm intrigued by or i think is it warrants a movie i think they should do it um if it's not gonna be interesting enough to be a two-hour film or whatever then I think we don't need it. Um, I think it should be a case-by-case basis. I mean, obviously, with Rogue One, it's like, well, why would you have another one? Um, But, you know, with Solo, I think the way they ended it, I think, was great. Um, And I think it it could be a a one and done. But I would be really interested in seeing, you know, where they go. Because I'm invested in Kira and um, and Fist. And I want to see that unfolds kind of. So um, I think that would be an interesting story. I, I would like to see those characters again. Um, but, you know, if they don't do it. It wouldn't be the end of the world either. Um, but that's just how I feel. That's a good take. Carlos. Yeah, I, um, it doesn't have to be a trilogy. I think there's the potential to do one, but it's not going to be a Han Solo trilogy. It's going to be <laughs> Sorry, uh, solo Star Wars story, Boba Fett Star Wars story, story, uh, and Kenobi a Star Wars story, and then those three tell an a, a larger arc that becomes a trilogy in itself, as opposed to solo part one, part two, part three. Yep, yep. That's that's exactly. Yeah, I mean that's that's my Western trilogy of loosely linked Star Wars films, right? Yep. Um, we, we've, we've, we've pounded on that for so long. Yeah. I hate to be um, so one track about it, but that's, my head is just so stuck there and I'm, I'm, well, it's not even that like, think about it. Not even get your head out of the, the whole Western trilogy thing. And like Carlos has said, I have this exact same thing in my notes, the solo Obi-Wan Boba thing. You kind of somewhat connect them loosely. You got those connective tissues going. Now we got Maul in the game. Uh, that's how they can slowly build their multi-tiered platform like marvel per se you know like if they can get people interested interested enough 
which is what's sad what happened with Solo is because it was so open-ended and it does really lead you to believe that there could be more films. Like that's where they could have started building this and playing this familiar sandbox where we have all these different characters and now all these characters and all these movies are somehow loosely connected and it can go beyond a trilogy in a sense, you know? Whoa. Yeah, I see. Well, uh, any, anything goes. Like, I'm I'm beyond the point of saying, well, it only has to be this. I think we've gotten enough surprises in the last few years to say that for me just to back off and go, whatever, man. Like, I, I can't, I cannot hold you guys to uh, like a certain box any longer. Well, it also depends. Like, like Michelle had said, like the story is a big part to play with it. Like, we, I don't think there's going to be a rogue two. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a confined story in of itself. Like. No, Plus it ends again. with that image of, you know, Darth Vader from A New Hope. So, like, obviously it just ties into that film. That's and we do like... have a role, too. It's in Empire. And... <laughs> <laughs> I actually called that, Michelle. The, we, we spoke about this in the pod, but I was like, oh, man, like, Rogue One's got to end exactly where new, the, A New Hope begins, kind of, you know? Yeah. But they, they got to leave things open-ended, in a sense, uh, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Even... Like they get these people to sign these non-disclosure agreements, right? Or the, their contracts, and they're all signed to a certain number of films, even if it's just the one film they plan on filming. Just because, like, let's just say Jin Erso per se was just this smash. Like, oh my god! Like everyone was like, we need more Jin Erso, like right now. Like maybe they would do a backstory on that. You know, like it's a business for them. So whatever the numbers are tracking, whatever they're statistically reading i think they'll kind of go off you know so i think it's always open-ended in that regard like if something takes them off guard they're they're gonna pay attention to that you know and notice the the value of something yeah definitely and also one of the like it's not the main reason but i think recently um one of the reasons why they do do more they sign like a multi-picture deal even though they don't intend to like actually put them in multiple star wars films is to kind of um do like a smoke screen so that people are like well this person's only signed on for one film so they're probably gonna die like that kind of thing i think part of it is they want to make it kind of mysterious in a like we don't know if they're gonna be there and also if we do sign them up for multiple deals like since they are popping around in the timeline they might use them briefly in like a different or they might use their likeness or image in a different movie briefly and that might be part of the deal yeah in oh, terms of sure. them being Good in point. a different film so like you know for example like you know if they have i heard um well they gave uh they gave them the rights to leia's image now to carrie fisher's so, like that you know if they, or however many deals they had signed with her prior to when she died now that they do have the rights to her image from her like um estate like they can like do that and like be able to use her um because they had signed that contract um and i think also too with just that as well like with the other characters too they can just pop them up and drop them in for like you know a scene or whatever and that counts as one of the picture deals so i think it just gives them flexibility in terms of that whether or not they will do three full movies with that character is probably you know unlikely but that's part of the reason why they do it is to just kind of like um because 
actors they're tying their loose ends man like, yeah they're and not actors leaving... deals are public now like they go up on deadline and things like that they <laughs> yes. tell you it's a three-picture deal so we know now we about know these as people an audience now. Exactly. So it's like there's really it's hard, hard to be surprised unless you're really diligent about not reading those things. So one of the reasons the one of the reasons why the one of the ways they do that is to sign them up for multiple picture deals because it's a lot easier than, you know, writing three endings and shooting all of them. Good point. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, just to echo what Carlos said and what I've said in the past, I'll be a broken record is like, I, in theory, I think these standalones should be one and done, but I think that, you know, they can be left open-ended enough that the next standalone can pick up on threads left behind in the previous standalone. And like, like my Western trilogy that I've kind of been harping on forever now, like part two in my mind should be the, this bounty hunter flick where the main conflict is. Not anything to do with Han Solo, but it's Boba Fett and his pals uh, versus Cad Bane. And then you can throw in elements yeah. from Solo in there, like uh, like the Crimson Dawn presence. Like maybe maybe Maul hires Dar- uh, Cad Bane to chase down Han Solo. But Boba Fett decides he wants in on this action as well. And then mm-hmm. Boba Fett and Cad Bane, that conflict becomes the center stage. And then part three is, you know, Cad Bane... You know, he's, I don't know, he's been defeated, whatever. He's off on his own again. And he catches wind of Kenobi. He, you know, shows down with, with Kenobi on Tatooine. And old Ben's got to take him out before he gets exposed. So I think there's like a through line that can happen through all these movies. But they all can stand on their own two legs without needing too much propping from the other movies. And I think that works better than just saying Han Solo part one to part two, part three. I agree. And also, like, you know, there are characters in the Han Solo movie that don't have to be packaged with Han. Like, for example, with Kira, you know, Darth Maul says, well, Kira, we're going to be working very closely together now. So if they do do if in the, the Boba Fett movie, if Maul hires Boba Fett, like Kira could be very integral in that film because she it's established in Solo that she is now working very closely with with Maul. So she could potentially be involved with that whole idea and that playing out and you know it could happen yeah you never know yeah absolutely yeah, i agree that that's that's where we get into the whole marvel thing here and mm-hmm. that's what sucks about solo's box office is that anyway i i hope they continue to move forward with that plan if that is their plan and these connective tissues like you said like there's there's so much of it there to connect all these characters that it would be a shame if it didn't happen well if, if that's, it comes down to how much how much do they really invest in the almighty dollar? Like if mm-hmm. money speaks, if money's worth is, is the only language they understand, then they'll look at the standalones and go, these things aren't as profitable as we'd like them to be. Maybe we need to back off. Or they might say like, they don't know. They tell valuable stories. We're prepared to not rake in a billion dollars in profit. Sounds, that sounds weird to say about a business. Like who would leave money on the table? But who knows? I, I don't know how they attack this, but uh, that's there's there's more conversation in there for another time. Uh, Bradley, great question, and uh, one I'm sure that we'll revisit again and again, again and again in the future. And ladies and gents, it is time for the Metal Mando, who seems to be feeling better this week. He's at least sent in a voicemail, so I, I think I take that as a good sign. So let's check in with the Metal Mando. Hey, Tell Me Saber Crew. Jeff here from Fort Myers, Florida. 
So we now live in a world where we've seen a Star Wars movie released in theaters that has not been a box office success. Many reasons for that. I know you guys have discussed this every which way, and uh, so for now we'll put that aside and uh, move on. What I want to talk about is future standalone movies. So we have the Boba Fett slash Underworld movie, which has been kind of kicked around, and, you know, I'm pretty sure that's going to be shelved at this point, you know, understandably so, with, you know, recent events. Probably be a great idea for a Disney streaming service, you know, maybe a movie or maybe a few episodes within an actual series, but, you know, we'll see. So then we have the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. So that's kind of been confirmed, but not not actually been confirmed, but... I think that one could probably work. I mean, I'd be on board with that one. You know, you know, we'll see, though. So what I want to ask you guys, though, as far as a standalone movie, what would be your idea for a movie that would, you know, be interesting to you, you know, in Star Wars, you know, fandom at large and uh, general, you know, audience, and also something you think that might, you know, you know, take in a big box office take, you know, be successful. So my idea for a movie... I'm going to call it Star Wars The Emperor. No, no, hang on. Hang on. It's not going to be an Emperor backstory movie or anything like that. But The Emperor is going to be a major player in this this movie. I'm thinking it's going to take place, you know, you know, in between, obviously, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Somewhere in between. I know we had uh, the uh, Lords of the Sith book and uh, currently this, the Vader comic. And I'm thinking it could maybe pick up you know, where the Vader comic ends, kind of in that timeline, pick off from there. But we're going to have some major players in this movie. We're going to have Darth Vader, obviously. We have Darth Maul. And, you know, if we have Darth Maul, we're going to have Kira make an appearance because, you know, they left her story there kind of, you know, open-ended. So we're going to we're gonna see her in this movie. And uh, a young Thrawn. I think, it, you know, this timeline, we can work him into there a little bit. And, you know, there could be some other just characters thrown in, you know. You know, <coughs> Boba Fett. <laughs> Sorry, had a cough there. Um, yeah, I think this could work. You know, we have uh, Palpatine and his you know, his little kind of, you know, this kind of little henchman, Darth Vader, maybe uh, actually going after Darth Maul. You know, maybe Palpatine isn't, you know, kind of keen to what Darth Maul's doing with his crime syndicate. Since how Vader, you know, to kind of lay down the law. Could be an epic battle in there. You know, I know, you know, nobody's going to die, you know, as far as Maul versus Vader. But can you imagine what a battle that could be on film between Maul and Vader? I don't want to see that. How about you? So what I'm thinking here, as far as, uh, you know, they want to, you know, generate, you know, the excitement for a movie. But if you could make a kick-butt trailer, you know, we have the Emperor... We have Darth Vader and Darth Maul. I mean, to me, that's going to sell tickets. You know, Vader and Maul, I mean, that, that's going to bring it as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, for this week, guys, what do you think, as far as personally, that you would think a great concept for a movie that you think would just, you know, just grasp the audience in general, just be, you know, just a box office, you know, you know, just just kill it at the box office. What do you think? Give me your ideas. I'd love to know for this week. And hey, this is the Metal Mando, and I'm out of here, guys. See ya. All right, Mr. Kelts. Thanks, man. I hope things are going well in Fort Myers, Florida. So, Carlos, I'll come back to you since I know that your phone is going to be on uh, on 
red alert soon. Your idea. Yeah, 8%. 8%. <laughs> All right. We're, yeah. we're going to make it. I think we're going to make it. I think so too. What's your idea for a standalone movie? Broken record time. I want the Palpatine. Rise to power. Uh, the Plagueis the conflict. And the setting up of Sifo Diaz and uh, Dooku. Like this, there's something like how he played Dooku to, to be um, uh, disillusioned with the Jedi Council. Like that whole backstory. The Lost 20. Yeah, there, there's so much there. And it's he's, I mean, potentially the most interesting character in all of Star Wars. So I, I can't argue with that. I, I would, I'm, I would be all over that. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, well, we've talked about it before on the pod on different, uh, different episodes, but, uh, I keep coming back to that because it's the one I want to see the most. Et voila. Michelle. Um, I am going to, well, I mean, your idea. I mean, obviously, I'm going to be a broken record, too, and say I want the Guillermo del Toro, Job the Hutt, Godfather, crime family, mafia movie, um, because it sounds awesome, and he's amazing, and I totally want to see that movie. Um, yeah. And also, <laughs> I mean, I also want a movie about Ashoka, live action. Just oh. give it to me. Oh. I don't care what it is. I just want her story in live action. Make it happen. Disney or whoever. I just need it. I need it. I need it. That's what I want. <laughs> I want Ashoka in live action. That's what I want. Period. Yeah, this Done. is this is another thing that I totally want. And I, it's it's that eternal question is, you know, do these animated characters, the ones that have solely existed in animation, do they fit up to live action? I I love her. She's I love her. a badass. She needs to be on the freaking big screen. She her story is rad. I think it and I, I think it needs to be told to the people who don't watch the shows or read the books or whatever. People need to understand how cool her character is and how awesome she is. And I want that to happen just for her character because she deserves it. I, I think if there was ever an, a live action Ahsoka movie announced, like everybody in my house would probably just have a stroke. And I'm talking about from my littlest guy to my wife. And everybody in between, we would all just stroke <laughs> out on the spot because everybody in this house has an irrational love for Ahsoka. We like she's a top three character in all of Star Wars for me. And I like I would, who, how can someone hate her? Like I just I can't I can't deal with it. I can't be my friend if you don't like her. <laughs> I think you know what really locked that down for me was Rebels. Like to be honest with you, when the Clone Wars first started, I was like I don't know about this one. You know, like she kind of bothers me a bit. Love and then so much. And then the seasons grew, and you know she she was there, and she just kicked butt, man. And I loved it. But I'm on the same page as you there as well, in the sense that an Ahsoka thing would be amazing from a marketing standpoint. Kind of a bit of a nightmare. You know, we got this fandom that knows her so much. Uh, how do you make the general audience enticed by something like this? Granted, it can be done. But it seems almost a bit too fan servicey, even though there's so much potential there. So I, I want them to figure it out. That's well, we, their problem. We just problem. got two hours of fan service in Solo. They can do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Solo. Anyway, whatever. Animated coming to the live screen. It's a big. It's a big thing. 
it's it's about how you market this character now to the general audience and again it's their problem and i think they should figure it out and get it done uh maybe maybe, I, I, maybe that's the door for feloni to the live action maybe it's cause I, yeah, I feel like nobody else it. is going to handle ahsoka other than feloni no she's all his man so maybe he, maybe he he does Ahsoka live action, and that that's, that's his it. baby, man. I I feel like that would be appropriate. At yep, least for, at least for him to be a huge part of that movie. Maybe he doesn't have to be the guy, but he's oh. a big player in that uh, in that production. We know he's taking live action notes, so maybe, but, it's, maybe uh, it's for, in a produ- anyway. Yeah. All right, let, let me throw a few out here. Oh jeez, um, no! Come on, no! Quick, would, quick, you, quick. would somebody think of Carlos's phone? Okay. Give me, give us your best one. Give us your best one. No. I got to get some out for Kigo. I've been conversing with Kigo. Yeah, I know. I know, you, I, I know you have. You get one. This is the question. It's Jeff's question. Your idea for a standalone movie. Pick your best no. one and go with I it. I think you should re-listen to his question. Corey, if you say gonk, I swear to God, I'm going to gonk your head. I, against I actually floor. called it the Tower of Power. A gonk oh. tail. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was for Kigo. And also, I know Kigo always wanted a Republic Commando kind of deal, something like that. I think that would be really cool, like an army type film. Uh, my two big ones are Doctor Afra can oh, yeah. kick ass. I think it could really be marketed well if they do it properly. It would entice the general audience in the sense as you market it. This is the Indiana Jones of the Star Wars universe. Well, you know the people that, that we spoke about off the top of the show. Those really, really terrible, toxic people in fandom. Yeah, well, too they bad would for that. completely go nuts if you did this, and I don't mean good nuts. Bad. And let, let's just set the precedent. Then let's just do it and get rip the bandaid off. Sure. Yeah, like that's what I want. Uh, an Indiana Jones themed, like, and she could tie in nicely with everything that we know in the sandbox we've just been talking about with Maul, Solo, Obi Wan, can uh, like. All these things so she could be like handing off the stuff to Dryden Voss and all that stuff, you know. Uh, and a big one for me, but I think this might lead more into a saga type thing. But I need like a genesis of the Jedi. Like, give me the first hundred years, first hundred to a thousand years. That yeah, that's that's more like of a nine that's more of a series of movies. That, that, yeah, I, don't, it, I don't know that you do it. If, if you do a standalone movie, there it's five hours long. That, that's what I hunger for, though, man. Like, I want to know where it all began, how it came to be, who's who. They just, the old Jedi just seem to know so much more than the new ones that it intrigues me a great deal. Uh, mine, it's sort of Return of the Jedi or episode six and a half. And it's set maybe 13 to 14 years later after, after Battle of Endor. And it's it's Luke doing Luke things, learning about the Jedi. It's got he he's got a teenage Ben Solo in tow, and they got they they've got the kid from Stranger Things. Uh, you've got the the continued rise of Snoke in the background. And Luke senses it, and they sense each other, and it's the earliest part of Kylo's seduction. Um, and you can this is something you could bring Ahsoka into, and have her and Luke team up and talk and you know banter about Vader, and Ahsoka could share things about Vader with with Ben. Like all this stuff would be so cool, and maybe Sabine comes into this or Ezra. Like you can just throw in throw everybody into the pool with this. Like the first generation of of, of Knights of Ren could enter the picture, and you could see like imagine Ben Solo looking at these these figures, going, "Ooh, 
You know, I, I don't know what the main, it. I don't know what the main conflict is, uh, but I, I I need a heavy dose of Luke in that in that time frame to see what he's up to, um, to see more about teenage Ben, <laughs> learn about Snoke, and you know, with a strong cast like that, if you bring in enough of those uh, characters, you can sidestep the idea of needing to recast. Uh, Leia in that time frame as well, and we've got Alden Ehrenreich, but would they ever put him into that time frame that is so owned by Harrison Ford? So I, I think there's ways around it, and I think it's an, an era that badly needs to be explored with, uh, like, via Luke. We need Luke's perspective in this time frame. So that's my my standalone movie. Sebastian Stan, yes. If, if they do it now. He's he's at that age now where he would be in that right time frame. They could do digital effects and de-aging or prosthetics and whatnot, but sure. I mean, I have absolutely no problem with Sebastian Stan. I love him. I love Sebastian Stan so much ever since Gossip Girl. <laughs> I'm going to get that arm. <laughs> All right, Mr. Fort Myers. Thanks, man. Continued uh, success in, in getting better. <laughs> And let's check in, lastly, but certainly not leastly, with Mr. CantoCast of the RantoCast this week. I'm going to check that out this week. Um, let's hear what Jeff Fishback has to say. Hey, Kyle, Corey, Michelle, and Carlos. It's Jeff from the CantoCast, back with another Star Wars Seinfeld mashup question of the week for you. But first, I would like to tell you about my nephew's reactions to Solo. Last week, I had mentioned that I was taking my 21-year-old nephew, my oldest nephew, to see Solo for his first time, and I couldn't wait to see his reactions. And let me tell you, his reactions were priceless. It brought a tear to this sappy old uncle's eye to see his reactions and to see it that smile on his face throughout the entire movie. He loved every second of it. He really didn't have any questions for me until the end. That that jaw-dropping moment, and let me tell you, his jaw was on the floor. I heard him saying, no. What? Are you kidding me? Really? And then that hood came off, and he was like, oh, my God, out loud in the theater. It was priceless. Now, at the end of the movie, of course, I had to ask him, hey, do you watch Clone Wars or Rebels? And of course, he said no. So I and then he asked me, he goes, well, he goes, was that Darth Maul or was that just one of his species? And I said, no, that was Darth Maul. And here's I'm going to tell you what happened. So I told him and now he wants to borrow my Clone Wars and my Rebels so he can watch them and get all caught up. And let me tell you, I could not be a prouder uncle right now because his dad might not have brought him up right on Star Wars, but his uncle's taking over and bringing him up right. So having said that, and now you know his reactions to the Seinfeld Star Wars mashup question. I'm going to stick with uh, what if questions. And this one was knocking around my brain for at least 48 hours. I was trying to think. Which, which way do I want to go with this one? And this is what I've decided. What if Kenny Banya 
was cast as C-3PO, and Jerry Seinfeld was cast as R2-D2. You know, how, how would, do you think they would have got, gotten along? Do you think they would have gotten along better than R2 and 3PO? Or do you think they would have gotten along worse? And I'm leaning towards they would have gotten along worse. But I'm interested to hear you guys knock that around. Can't, can't wait to hear your answers. Take care, and I'll talk to you next week. May the Force be with you. All right, guys, we got our patented Seinfeld Star Wars mashups back. Thankful for that. Carlos, how's your phone? 6%? Uh, just went down to 5 Okay, we got this, baby. All right, so we'll kick this one off. How does how does Kenny... <laughs> what do we get if Kenny, Kenny Banya was cast as 3PO and Jerry as R2? Where does that relationship go? Let me... Uh, let me, let me I, I got to say this, man. Okay. Come on, I got to get this off my chest. This is a this is a lobber, man. This is a lobble. The first thing Banya says is, I'm gold, Jerry. I'm gold. <laughs> No. Yeah, that, yeah, you know what? That was really worth you cutting me off. I really. <laughs> hey, man, I called shotgun on this. Ask Kyle. If Kyle doesn't have the uh, courtesy of saying, "I'm like, hey, throw, like you got to lob this one to me." Totally, totally. No, uh, Corey. There's ha- no coordination. Um, I know the answer to this question. But how many beers are you in? Five. Mm-hmm. I think that's. Is it not gold? Did if if not every one of us has that in their notes? Like I think we failed. Honestly, I think that was the point to his question. Almost, I'm not sure that it yeah, was. I, yeah, I, I think we, I think we, we dug a little deeper. At least I hope so. Jeez. I think, in, in the grand scheme of the Star Wars universe, um, I think that's actually perfect uh, to have a Banya as annoying and and insecure uh, as a three PO who's annoying and. <laughs> really insecure and then you have jerry who's like even steven um as r2 like he does he gets the job done he goes around he's sarcastic uh you know he he uses uh foul language and uh although jerry seinfeld doesn't actually use foul language in his stand-up but um like you could see him just like putting 3po down or banya down so I think uh, I think this that I mean usually you know it's sometimes it comes out of left field but this one uh, bang right on the head like that was perfect. That's so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's that's a good that's that's a pretty good cut from Jeff there. Like these are two characters perfectly cast into the Star Wars galaxy together. It's it's and, perfect. And the answer to the question of like is it, is the relationship going to be worse than actual like than three PO and R two and we haven't seen Banya and Jerry interact enough to say that the you know their relationship, but I have the feeling that it could be quite contentious. Oh yeah, uh, like this. I don't think this relationship bit. lasts at all. Like, picture this. Okay, three PO walks into the, uh, the the Geonosis arena during the Battle of Geonosis with with his head on a battle droid body. R two looks over at him, and goes, "Good luck with all that," and rolls away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is the end of the relationship. Or, or, or even better, sipping coffee. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. <laughs>
I'm on, I'm on the same page, you guys. Like super similar relationships. Definitely worse from uh, Jeff's question there. Like Banya's always following, like riding Jerry's coattails. Kind of the same sense. I'm from taking a, a dive. <laughs> the, yeah. the bottom line is, though, that R2 truly does, in his heart, love 3PO. Like, they're a couple. Get over it. And Jerry pretty much despises Banya. So, from that regard, like, I think their relationship would be similar in the sense of the quips and the remarks. But in the long run, like, you know, like, Jerry wouldn't help Banya in his moment of need. So, his time in the galaxy wouldn't be all that long. Yeah, I picture, I completely picture Jerry just turning around and running. Running the in the other direction when his friend needs help. Like, how many times did we see that in Seinfeld where his pals are in big trouble and he just cuts and runs? Look at the last episode, The Good Samaritan. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Michelle, how, how does this go? I mean, I think it's accurate. Like, Kenny, oh, God, he's so annoying. <laughs> like, literally, like, that whole soup thing and, like, the food and, like, where's my suit? I want my soup back. Oh, it's over there. Oh. Like, oh, God, shut up. Why is it called uh, Ovaltine? It should be called Roundtine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I gold, like... Jerry. Gold. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, even his body type, like, reminds me a little bit of C-3PO. Like, I understand, like, yeah, like, it's just the height and just his movements and, like, his the jitteriness. mannerisms. Yeah, the jitteriness of, like, like, moving back and forth, like, swaying, even when he's standing, kind of. Like, yeah. Um, and I, I like, I think the... I agree with you, Corey, though, in that there is that underlying, like, love and friendship between C-3PO and R2 that um, I don't think would ring true with Jerry (laughs) to Kenny, because he's just like, dude, like, no. Like, uh, I remember watching that there's that one scene, which I feel like is just so indicative of their relationship, where, like, Kenny walks into the diner and George and Jerry are sitting in their booth and he's like, oh crap, Kenny's here. Like, scoot up so it looks like he, so he can't come in. <laughs> like, he's just like, he can't sit down. And then he's just like standing there talking to him. He's just like, oh, why are you still talking? Or it's just like, I just, yeah. So that that's just the difference. Like, there's the quips and like the, you know, the what I like, oh, there's like this Japanese term of these Japanese kind of like duos where one is the one who just like makes stupid jokes and the other one just like hams in there and like is like, what the f- are you talking about? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Cut that out. When the other person is like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah, I, I can't, there's no actual direct translation. Um, it's called Bukitsukomi, but yeah, it just, it's kind of like that is the kind of vibe I see between the two of them, which is very like reminiscent, which makes sense because, um, you know, those characters came out of, um, Hidden Fortress, which was written by Kurosawa and they started as that, that was their point of that, those characters, um, who were the lowly samurai. They were peasants, right? Weren't they? Yeah, exactly. The peasants, but they're the, that was kind of their, um, that was the comedic effect of that Japanese tradition of those duos of com- of comedy, um, where one is just kind of like the, uh, and then the other one's like kind of acerbic and just like hones in there in the R2 way. Um, so, yeah, I, but there is that underlying love there and friendship and like teamwork. So I don't know if that would exist with Kenny and Jerry, um, but I think it's pretty spot on if you take that out of it. 
<laughs> I agree. With you. <laughs> so, Jeff, uh, I, I don't know if you came into this question expecting Kurosawa to make an appearance, but there you go. <laughs> and that's All why, we, that, that's why we love the show. Gold, Jerry. Honestly, though, can I ask you guys, did any one of you guys think of that? Like, honestly. Yes, Corey, it was too easy. Like, I don't believe you, Carlos. Seriously. Oh, come on. I, I mean, honestly don't believe you What one bit. Ah, you don't believe me. Fooey. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Well, I with that, uh, that, that is us done for episode 130. Jeff, thanks, man. That was That was a good way to end the show. Much appreciated. And thanks to everybody. So Jeff and Jeff and Bradley and Ads, thank you guys for your voicemails this week. Much appreciated and definitely looking forward to next week's contributions to the show. I bet they're going to be awesome. Uh, Quick shout outs to Rob Wade for sharing this episode on Emotionally14.com. Be sure to check out the Crazy Train podcast. And also thank you to Dark Sky Radio for sharing this show on their internet radio station on Friday nights. And hello to everybody listening there. And guys, you know what we're doing this week, right? For the Patreon. Sith Disturbers, baby! Sith Disturbers are finally coming back. And we're going to be reviewing the answers to the solo quiz. And establishing a winner for the 40th anniversary solo figure. That's going to be fun. I remember doing this last time uh, with The Last Jedi. And that was a, it was a different episode. But it was still a lot of fun to go through it. Because for sure there's going to be some debates here. But uh, we'll, I can't wait to get to that. We'll do that. Uh, that'll be out later this week. And if you want to hear that, you can come and sign up for our Patreon program, become a powerful friend for just a couple dollars a month, and you can get exclusive podcasts and early access podcasts, prize draws, contests, and more. And if that's not in the cards, then just uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, and uh, we'll read that on the show, and we'll be eternally grateful for that. And finally, our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth, who I'm sure are going to drop another Nine quality podcasts this week. That's nine shows. All of them are going to do something really special this week, I am sure. So go check that out, StarWarsCommonwealth.com. And uh, you can also find them as a podcast provider on Apple Podcasts. So do that. Do that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not even joking. Just stop what you're doing and add Star Wars Commonwealth to your life. Do it. And that's it. Guys, where can uh, Corey... Before you get to your sixth beer. Dude, you're too late. Oh, jeez. Oh, my lord. It's time. Never mind. It's time for bed. You're right. It is time for bed. And uh, I'm just about there. But uh, before I, I do that, I'm going to say, uh, before I take my Z's, I'm going to say, this is Chop Rules with a Z. And- <laughs> you can catch me on Twitter. <laughs> Oh, Carlos, Carlos, like, what? What's the health of the phone? We got three percent, two percent. Let me just it acts, yeah, down to two. Oh, you're gonna make so, it, baby. Get in there. Get in. Get the plugs in there. Yeah. So you guys can uh, check me out, uh, Carlos. Uh, sorry, C Candido Music on Twitter and Instagram. Carlos Candido on Facebook. Uh, you can look at uh, Carlos Thirty Eight on Tinder. Um, <laughs> and uh what else i don't know i'm moving soon so yeah i i'm completely exhausted thank you everybody for listening what about michelle where can people find you michelle (laughs) 
God, do people even want to find me? Um, but if you do, um, I'm at tr- uh, tediously underscore brief on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Michelle Grandine on Facebook, and you can find my bookstagram where I post all of my nerdy things, and you can see my live collection updates, and that's at Traveling Book Nerds, all one word. Awesome. Michelle does have a really great Instagram feed, so go check that out. The uh, the uh, the bookstagram is a lot of fun. And you write a lot on your posts. There's a lot of work in those posts, Michelle. I do. It's a very blog fantastic i guess it is it's really like a miniature blog yeah. in there with all the links and tags and and hashtags cool stuff and uh, you can find me at tumbling saber on twitter on instagram and on facebook and this is also the open invite to you guys who are listening to come join us in our closed facebook community it's a lot of fun in there and the more we can more people we can get in there the more we can have differing opinions and lo- and more fun so come check us out just uh, search Facebook for Tumbling Saber, and there's a page. Ignore the page. I'm phasing that out. And just uh, join the group, and I'll let you right on in. So do that, and uh, we'll stay connected there as well. And that'll do for episode 130. And thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you in episode 131, which is an anagram. Did you know that? James will like that episode 131. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great week, and let us know what you think of this podcast, and we'll talk to you later. Sitting here for hours, looking at that child Pages getting wider like a mirror to myself Struggle for the answers, questions frighten me Circles getting wider, it's harder just to see Sophia.